And welcome back, listeners of the Generic Video Game Podcast. We are about to embark on the two-year anniversary of this podcast, which wouldn't be possible without you, the fan. So thank you in advance, and strap yourselves in, pop in those earbuds, crack a cold beverage, and get ready for more audio action on episode 15 of GVGP, courtesy of myself, Anthony, alongside my one and only co-host, the Tokyo Mirage Sessions hashtag FE loving, pink lit PS4 toting, Dark Souls 3 smashing, Power Drift Ace, Big Time Money Spender on Japanese SNK PSN titles owning 4K, Molly. I love how you begin that. Like, before you say my name, like, there's, like, papers wrestling, like, you forgot what my name was. And you're like, my co-host, um... Oh, yes, yes. Um, I don't know where to start with that. Uh... Okay, I don't. I've I've actually refused to play Tokyo Mirage <laughs> Session. So now, why is that? I just don't care. I don't really, know. you know, on yeah. paper, on paper, it looks like the ultimate Molly game. Well, okay, so I I am for people who don't know and people who do, I am like a super huge Shin Megami Tensei person. Um, Fire Emblem, I don't really care. Like, I I enjoyed Awakening, but I have no like actual emotional attachment to that series or anything. But I think the problem is when when they say, okay, it's it's like, I'm trying to think of a good example. <clears throat> you know, when they say, oh, we're going to make a movie, you know, Freddy versus Jason. Right. Right. You expect, you expect, okay, Freddy fighting Jason, right? And if that movie is then like the, the detective who is searching for both Freddy and Jason, and that's the majority of the movie, you're going to be like, this isn't what I wanted. Oh, right, right, right. So I kind of feel like what we're getting in Tokyo Mirage Session, like, is not what I would have wanted. Hmm. It's this weird, I feel like it's not really Fire Emblem, and it's not really SMT. It's like this kind of, it's taken inspirations from both franchises. Right. But, yeah, I don't know. I just, I've not seen anything about it that has me excited. It seems the... You know, the color palette, the visuals are very striking, colorful. The enemies seem to have the Shin Megami Tensei inspiration and flair. The main characters seem a bit more Fire Emblem influenced. Um, you know, it. Uh, I watched the trailer. Uh, you know, look, it looked interesting. You know, I mean, I mean, yeah, I, I don't want to say like I'm not like I would never play it or I don't I hate it or anything. It's just like there's nothing that I've seen about it so far that's grabbed me. You know, so I I guess I'm I am curious just out of normal curiosity, but I'm not like I need to play this game. But before we get off this topic really quick, um, I think it is worth mentioning that Atlas will be handling the localization. Did you see that Nintendo said yes. that recently? Yes, but I think well, go ahead. You might say something. yeah, and I mean they gave I don't have the quote in front of me. Nintendo gave the most politically correct generic. <laughs> company statement in correlation to that stating essentially leaving atlas up to do their job and their work and their proven you know uh entity 
Yet at the same time, any necessary changes that would take place would be according to the market, you know, the Western market versus Eastern market, you know, but they left it very, you know, not specifying if or what would be altered. Yeah, because I guess the, the way I had heard it was that Nintendo was overseeing what was or was not changed. Right. Um, and there's an interesting thing because, so this, I, I don't think this is, so this is me just having read like a line of something and not knowing the exacts, but I think for the Japanese dialogue, they actually, there's a character that they're bumping from 17 to 18. Uh, one of those deals, <clears throat> which is again. kind of funny, to, which is kind of funny to me. But I think they actually, what I had read was they went back and they re-recorded the Japanese dialogue to to um, uh, conform to that change. To make this the character sound a bit more mature. No, I mean to like literally say like instead of mentioning it, she's an eighteen or seventeen year old, mention she's an eighteen year old. Oh, oh, oh. Okay. I think I think that's what I'd heard, but hmm. um, yeah. It's, I mean, because, you know, we've had this kind of thing recently about Nintendo and their changing of stuff and the whole Fire Emblem uh, debacle, if you want to call it that. Right. I, um, you know, with this podcast, sometimes, we, you know, we do have a guide and we have notes, but sometimes we never really know exactly how this show kicks off. It's kind of like we go in head first. But um, uh, as I'm stumbling through my words here, uh, you know, you, we, we talked about Fire Emblem and uh, Shin Megami Tensei, obviously, right now, there's a crossover. And then you said Jason Freddy. And one of my million notes I have at hand um, is in correlation to another movie. Now, we're not a movie podcast, as everyone knows. It's gaming. But I got to throw this out there. You know, we did spend time a few months ago talking about Star Wars Episode Seven: The Force Awakens. Uh, I thought it was an enjoyable conversation. I thought it was pertinent, as many fans. I mean, I can't really think of any gamers who aren't. Star Wars fans, but I don't think this discussion is going to take as long. Speaking of crossovers, uh, and my months go back, my excuse me, my notes go back almost 60 days. It's been almost two months since we've recorded once again, uh, but we are back in action. Did you see Batman versus Superman? I haven't, and oh. I'm really mixed on this because yeah. part it's <clears throat> it's a tough thing where you're always like. Oh man, this okay. It's I'll go somewhere in a different way. Like if somebody says like, "Oh my god, this thing like stinks," right? Yep. Or oh, this food's disgusting. There's part of you that like still wants to smell it or taste it just to know like <laughs> to have that knowledge, right? You know. So there's like part of me that does want to see Batman versus Superman, but I cannot justify going to a theater and paying that money to see it. Well, I'll say two things. I'll give you the fast Anthony take on it uh, versus the winded. Anthony take two things got a free ticket that's the good news to uh, the movie sucked I saw it the night before the official opening day I think it opened on a Friday I saw it late Thursday night um, just I mean let me let me put it this way at the end of that movie it was so it was so out of hand cliche Hollywood cliched over the top um blow everything up on screen that I literally said to the people I was sitting with, I wouldn't even flinch or blink an eye if Godzilla came out on screen right now. <laughs> I mean, seriously. Uh, so ridiculous. Um, you know, I didn't want to say too much about Ben Affleck 
taking on the Batman role because anyone who knows Batman or the comics really know that it's not so much Batman that draws you in, it's the villains and in particular the Joker, you know. Um, it's kind of the villain that makes the hero in a sense. So I'm kind of like, you know what, I can be open-minded about this and I'm going to keep my mouth shut. I got to tell you, I, I, I couldn't get into him. I didn't like it. Um, you know, Wonder Woman, Gal Gadot, mm -hmm. she looks great at like taking her out of the Wonder Woman character. She's a great looking lady. Now, do I think she really looks like Wonder Woman? Not really. She's got I me. Mean, she's got like small and skinny, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, great. I'm not knocking her looks, but like, you know, is, is, is that the image you think of when you think Wonder Woman? I mean, I can't say yes to that. And but just yeah, I won't go on and on and waste listeners' time before they tune out. Just my short take, I thought it sucked. If you want a really in-depth take on it with a lot more insight and knowledge than I, as I'm not the master of Superman and Batman comics, uh, people should check out the Angry Joe review. He has two reviews, a spoiler-ridden one and one that's spoiler-free. I don't watch his channel all the time. I got to be in the mood for him. So I watch him like yeah, maybe yeah. once a month. But I got to tell you, I watched his Batman Superman one, and I thought I agreed with like 95% of what he had to say. So. Well, it's, <clears throat> it's funny because I just, I had um, YouTube on in the background just to have like watching something, and I like had no idea what I wanted to watch, and just it happened, the first recommendation, re recommendation that came up was, I don't know, are you familiar with the whole, the Mr. Plinkett reviews of Star Wars? It's sounds... It's a it's it's a group called Red Letter Red Letter Media, and they've done like these <clears throat> gigantic reviews of the three Star Wars prequels. Okay. If you've, if you've never seen them, they're fantastic. Like the review is actually probably as long as each movie is. But he like it's just it's this kind of weird, crazy guy supposedly reviewing the movie, and they go into like these all these little details about like what was done wrong and everything, and. The review for um, Revenge of the Sith was my first recommendation, so I just played what it play, <clears throat> and I had seen it already, but, you know, it's got to the point where there, he's saying that you have, like, these big action scenes, but it's all CG, and there's just so much going on that you don't remember anything, because it's just so much on a screen at once, so much overload, so many things happening. He said the same thing kind of like with Transformers movies. You know, like, go back later and, like, how much can you actually remember right. about what happened in each Transformers movie, you know? And I think, not having seen Batman for Superman, but having seen Man of Steel, <clears throat> like, you had that end fight that was just so over the top <laughs> and so ridiculous that you just lost any human connection to it. <clears throat> so it didn't really matter. It was just things happening on screen. You know, like, it's, like, one of the... He doesn't say this because he hasn't reviewed uh, Episode 7 yet, but you take, like, that Revenge of the Sith 20-minute lightsaber battle and you compare it to the lightsaber duel between Rey and Kylo Ren in um, Force Awakens, and there's such a difference there in that emotional connection right. and that depth and that humanity of what's going on and what it means. And so... They <clears throat> Go ahead. Oh, they don't let it sink in. Sometimes there's a saying, less is more. 
Right, right. And it's just like it, there's there's throwing so much at you that you just your brain can't process it and it just doesn't care. You know, it like stops caring at a certain point. Um, so I think that's the problem with this. I mean, well, there's, there's a few problems, I think, not, not having seen it, but, you know, Christopher Nolan's Batman came along and did a really great take on the kind of dark, realistic Batman. Right. But that works for Batman, you know. That makes sense for a Batman character that does not make sense for Superman. So, like, this, that tone, that let's get very, very serious tone, did not, that's not the direction that should have gone. Like, Batman and Superman, especially Superman, like, one of just the biggest kind of, you know, wholesome, family-friendly, you know, the kids look up to kind of character, and you have him in this movie where he's a just total a-hole, and he he's letting people die and he kills people and stuff and then i guess i heard this one like batman like shoots people what okay spoilers so tune out the next 30 to 45 seconds yes but if i remember correctly that was in a dream related sequence but as soon as i saw it i will say this as soon as i saw it i thought that and whispered something to the person in the theater and secondly i thought that the choreography of that scene of that fight scene honestly it was so bad. I thought it was Power Rangers level, borderline bad. I End thought spoilers. Though, I guess I thought that like he had a gun at other times, but maybe I'm wrong since I said I haven't seen it. But that I don't recall. But that yeah. I thought the okay. I'm not an expert once again on choreography on fight scenes. But you yeah. know I've seen my share of classic Jackie Chan and uh, you know John Woo uh, directed films. It was terrible, and well, the movie was long. <laughs> It was two hours and 31 minutes, I dare yeah. say, and it felt every minute of it. Well, I mean, there, there's, what, a three and a half hour cut of it? Oh, stop it. No, there's, seriously. There's a cut that has, like, an hour more. That's got to be torture. Um, It's so funny that, like, you look at at least domestic take, and you look at, like, how much more Deadpool has made than this movie, which was, like, a $50 million budgeted r-rated superhero picture that like fox initially didn't even want to release because they had no faith in it and this is like i mean you know let's be fair like batman versus superman should have been bigger than even the avengers like that is one of the biggest kind of event superhero movies you can do so it's amazing how much they have completely screwed this up. Now, it did make hella bank, though, didn't it? But no, but let's be fair. Like, I mean, it's not even made a billion yet. Worldwide. Oh, I didn't know that. It must have stopped. Okay, I didn't realize that. I mean. And, and I mean, the thing is, like I said, you're, you're talking about one of the biggest, right? you know, movie put pen, uh, um, you know, potential franchises right. that you could have. Um, let's see. It has made. Where's the box? Oh, this is. Um. Well, anyway, as, as I find it, it's it's funny that you talk about Ben Affleck though, because that's been the one thing I've heard like the best about. I know other people have said that, so maybe I just don't have any taste. But I thought he, I thought it's I couldn't stand them. Okay, so let's let's see. So, um, Deadpool has made domestically three hundred sixty-one million dollars at this point. And uh, Batman vs Superman has made three hundred and twenty-one million dollars domestically. Oh, wow! I mean, yeah, I see. Yeah, and I yeah. think the budget on Batman was between two and two hundred fifty million. Budget like was two fifty for Batman vs Superman, and budget for Deadpool was fifty-eight. Yeah, like and bo- you, yeah, 
and and worldwide, Deadpool seven hundred sixty million, and Batman is eight fifty five. Wow! Like that should not be happening. And 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 this Batman vs Superman should have been like a billion dollar movie already. Right. Like this, this this should have had easily, I think, five six hundred million domestically. Right. I mean, because what is what is Star Wars? And for the record, Deadpool was phenomenal. I don't know if we talked. I, about I saw that it, yeah, because I I was I had a day. I think it was a GDC, and I kind of had a day where I had just time to spare, and there was a theater there, so I went and saw it, and I I had a lot of fun. Like I'm not like a super big fan of the character or anything, but yeah, it was a, a fun movie. Yeah, I mean, I already pre-ordered the uh, home release. I think it's out digital as of the other day, and then May 10th officially at home, and that's that's a day one purchase. Yeah. Okay, so Star Wars Force Awakens has made $936 million domestically. Wow. Just just, just domestically. I mean, and like, I'm not saying that necessarily Batman vs. Superman could have done that, but that's kind of the range it should have been right. in. It should have been, been at least like a $700 million movie, I think. Hmm. So they, they, they completely botched that thing. This movie discussion is uh, r- reminding me of one of your tweets from a few weeks ago. You were kind of complaining about the Star Wars The Force Awakens DVD disc looking like a bootleg. Yeah, <laughs> it did. Like, So I bought the um, standard version Blu-ray, and it comes with a DVD. Of <clears throat> did you do the Target version or Best Buy? No, just a regular from Amazon. Okay. And... Yeah, like the art on it is like super, like somebody printed it on their home printer. Mm. Mm. <coughs> I'm going to, you know, I'm going to change your name from Molly to Paris Hilton because <laughs> you're going everywhere. You're everywhere from GDC to PAX East. Yeah, I just got back from Boston. West Coast War Zone. Uh, I oh. mean, I don't, I don't even know where to begin with you. So are we talking about that now? Is that is it? I don't know. I I mean I've got so I can let me just blaze through some stuff. I would I would assume some of our main topics this evening would be your traveling, uh, with the Kardashians and the Hiltons. Oh God. Um, you know, recent kind of big news I think would probably be stuff on the upcoming NX, which not that there's a whole lot to say on it. Um, I'm so shocked by that. Well, yeah, I mean, there's everything from that to the alleged uh, Xbox One second generation to the PlayStation 4.5 or 4K or whatever you want to call it, codename Neo. Um, I mean, there's there's a lot of halfway, po- you know, updates seemingly on the horizon. Uh, nothing official. Everything from the leaked NX controller picks for that was around, I even dated that was around March twenty second. That's a while ago now. Oh, the the, um, the ones that went that were fake. Oh, so I hope so. I think you mean that they're kind of the weird like overly thing. Yeah, but yeah, then yeah, there yeah. was a few more that came out afterwards. Like there were the first ones that were debunked, and then I saw some other ones. I don't know, but oh, interesting. I don't know. I mean, it looks similar, but it, you know, hopefully uh, that is BS. I mean, so much has happened there. I think you might have even been at this. Uh, the Final Fantasy fifteen, yes, uncovered. Yeah, that was I w- that. W- I I was so shocked. I'm like, why is Square Enix doing like a, just a solo event for this? But that ended up actually being a really fun event. I enjoyed it. Yeah, like it, it worked. It did exactly what it should have done. And I think people should do more of those if they have enough content to really do something fun with it. Yeah, there was a lot of stuff. I'm bringing up an article here. Uh, actually, it's from the PlayStation blog. 
Uh, Final Fantasy 15 for those living under a rock, hits September 30th. Uh, there's a CG movie, uh, anime series, which is on YouTube. Uh, various editions coming home, standard edition, limited edition in stores, the exclusive Square Online, that super duper collector's edition, which is like a few hundred bucks. Uh, I did not do that one. Uh, there's technically the second demo for Final Fantasy 15 that came out recently, uh, the Platinum demo. Um, that's for the, different than the one that came with FF Type 0 about 16 months ago. So there was that news. Uh, that was pretty exciting at the time. I it's it's funny though because I I actually think I I find the main characters of the movie way more interesting than the main characters of the game. Like watching that movie, the the trailer for it, I was like, I would rather be playing as these characters. Right. Right. That, well, oh no, wait, wait, wait. I, I don't know if I fully agree with that. I, I apologize. I was in agreeing mode there. Um, <laughs> Anthony disagrees with whatever I say. He doesn't even listen. The, uh, the and the reason I was being like that was because uh, my boss was actually trying to call me, but um, uh oh. But I'm politely saying that I can only text at the moment, so I don't want to stop the recording. Um. So yeah, so I mean that was a big event. Uh, they had uh, Lena Headey there. There, they had some big uh, voice actors and voice actresses there. Um, they had uh, the, the the meth kid from Breaking Bad. Oh, that's right. Whatever. His, what's his name? <laughs> I can't remember his name. Yeah, so it was you know it was pretty gangbusters event. Um, what else? You know, this wasn't big news. Actually, this was kind of uh, quiet uh, news. Uh, did you catch Platinum Games CEO and President Tetsuya Minami resigned? I did see that. Yeah, that was kind of. Uh, I didn't. I didn't think there was any kind of meaning behind that or not, but. Yeah, I mean, there wasn't. Um, well, how about that? That was a butt dial. Nice to know. <laughs> nice to know. So anyway. Yeah, there was an article here on Silicon Era on April 21st. Uh, I'll go over this really quick. It's not long. It said it was revealed in a recent report via Game Business uh, that Platinum Games CEO and President Tetsuya Minami has resigned from his position sometime in late March. Tetsuya Minami is one of the founders of Platinum and has managed the company for many years prior to his work at Platinum. Minami worked on the development of numerous games at Capcom. Taking over his position will be Kenichi Sato. It's also been announced that Seigo Tabira and Atsushi Anaba are taking on director positions. Now that we have that out of the way, I got I have some stupid questions for you on that business-wise. Okay. So I'm assuming Tetsuya Minami, so he was the CEO and president. Um, was he footing the bill or going around for trying to get projects for his teams? Or is there was there someone yet above him? Like, who's paying, quote, for Platinum? Like, who's dishing out paying the bills? Because I, I was under the impression at one time I thought it was him, but I, might, I must be wrong. Because if you're president, it doesn't really mean you're owner. But I didn't think there was anyone above him. Well, he wasn't... He wasn't one of the founders. Um, because my because my point of that was, you know, with the other people taking over, say the Tabira and Atsushi Inaba, um, and I, I would say on a side note, Inaba is probably as well known to maybe the internet and gaming crowd as Kamiya because Inaba is right. on a lot of the various Platinum and Capcom works. 
you know, does that mean they're taking on more of a role of foot in the bill? And it's like, I guess the question is like, I don't know. I, I feel like because it was a completely private started company, and I think it <coughs> still is a private company. Um, was it a case of just the founders owned it and then he was kind of the boss to run mm. things? Because, mm. um, you know, sometimes like even if it's your company, you don't you don't want to be running it. You want to be just doing your job and have somebody else deal with like the paperwork and all the company stuff. So I don't know. I'm not sure if that was, you know, just that's that's that was his position and he wasn't like the the, you know, main guy making sure that that company still existed right but uh, and then platinum, platinum's an interesting situation because i just like i feel bad for them a little bit because i just feel like they're such a get the good a good studio but they keep making some bad deals or just having like well, some great games not hit it off well well you know i'm always their biggest cheerleader and always in defense of them uh, maybe it's me being in denial but I got to tell you, you know, I've always said Platinum Games is not only one of my favorite companies, they remind me of old Capcom. Uh, I love their style of game because I love action games. I love stuff I can get right into, no BS. You know, the excuse I make for them is, man, I mean, talk about just the victim of bad timing. Because on paper, <clears throat> excuse me, on paper, when you look at their deals, it's like, Okay, you've got, let's go, you got Bayonetta. Bayonetta 1 came out like in 2009. And by the way, on another aside, the company just turned 10. So, oh, 09, that's 10 to, that's about, that's in the start of the company. That's about seven years ago. Yeah. Great game, right? Scores 40 in Famitsu. You know, people at home can snicker at that because of Famitsu scores and being paid off. But, you know, Bayonetta was a legit 10. Fantastic, fantastic game. And the thing is, is like, okay, home run on Xbox. Sega is going to take care of the PlayStation 3 version, which Ugh. isn't bad. But the ball gets fumbled, mm -hmm. right? Okay, fumble number one. Okay, we'll learn our lesson. We're not going to... We'll take care of this stuff ourselves. Vanquish. The version on PS3 is as good. I don't want to say it was better than Xbox 360, but definitely an equal. So even playing field... Vanquish, another phenomenal third oh, wait, wait. person. Before you go too far, yeah. can we ask why why a Japanese company working with a Japanese <laughs> publisher, Sega, made Bayonetta be targeted towards the Xbox 360? <laughs> if I had... Do you want my, my answer, my guess? I mean, unless, no, they were, no. unless, unless they were specifically hoping that it was going to hit overseas. Like, that was like their... their That's a good point. Hail Mary, you know. That's a good point. Could it also come down to, especially at the time, that would have been approximately three years into the previous generation, not incredibly far in, if I'm making excuses again. Xbox hardware was just easier to work with and they were getting more out of it at the time. But then why Then why a year a year later Vanquish comes out with a perfectly <laughs> perfectly fine PS3 port? I don't know. Like, unless you're saying like, you know, just the... I mean, but no, not, I'm not laughing not at you. It's a good. No, no, I mean, no, it's I a valid. It's a valid. No, no, I mean, point. it's like to not to not even have a handle in it at all was a very weird decision. Uh, okay, I what I'm about to say, I think this is company PRBS, but I'm gonna play stupid. When platinum, when I say recently, probably within the last year, was asked about why they made Scalebound exclusive to Xbox One. Now my person-to-person -person answer would be comes down to money right and sure. microsoft that's the that's the answer 
but but platinum said that the answer was simple or they just like working on the xbox hardware so back to your question could could it have been as simple as that that they did bayonetta or that was the first target system because they just liked working with the hardware i mean that was i think that has to be because i mean like you mentioned scale bound i think you have to be if you're a japanese company i think you have to be dumb (laughs) to team up with microsoft at this point well okay so this leads this is perfect so this leads to one of my other excuses well (laughs) maybe i just need to accept it at some point okay scale okay so this generation started we're in 2016 right now the consoles hit october 2013 right yes wii u came out in 2012 but the generation officially started in 2013 scale bound i dare say was announced all the way back maybe june of 2014 so not incredibly long after the launch of the consoles within the first six months right right well well here's the counter i have with their bad timing bad luck coming out of last generation let's say you're you and I are coming out of last generation. 360 had the online. They had the user base doing gangbusters. Everyone loved 360. Sony had the issues with development early on. And until later, once they fixed their software tools and updates, and then finally stuff got better, could could have we been blamed for wanting to put our title on the next Xbox console, not knowing how that e3 debacle was going to go over no no and that's a completely fair point and and i think another perfect example of that is ea with titanfall like if you if you look back now with 2020 vision um you know that was a disastrous choice for them to make Mm -hmm. like that was just the wrong choice to make but i'm at the point where those deals were being made Having Titanfall exclusive on the Xbox One probably made a whole lot of sense compared to how people thought things were going to play out. Right. So, yes, you you are right, and I was not being fair on that to say that. But I think at this point, like, you know... I've got an excuse for Star Fox, and I can take Star Fox off my list. That was one of my talking points for tonight. So I did pick up the recently released Star Fox. Um, I've done the first three missions of the game. I've put about maybe two hours into it. It came out a mere one week ago. Um, so here's the deal. I- I'm enjoying it personally. I've read some of the reviews online. Uh, it's getting solid reviews. Uh, one of the uh, complaints is that the controls take some getting used to, and there's not a whole lot that you can alter. So I went into this with the mindset of like, oh my God, like, look, I'm buying it because it's platinum, but I can't believe this. You know, I got to tell you, I'm not just saying this. I'm liking it so far. Uh, am I going to sit here and say it's th- the greatest game I've ever played in my life? No, but I I think it does Star Fox justice. Uh, the series has certainly had its ups and downs. I think many people would say uh, Star Fox 64 was the greatest one. I would still say that. Well, I mean, one, but, but to be fair, this is this this is just a remake of Star Fox 64. To an extent, yes. But now getting back to um, making excuses for Platinum, on paper, hey, would you like to work on one of Nintendo's most renowned and well-known you know, franchises in Star Fox? Would you like to come and develop this game? 
a title that has much respect and hasn't seen a sequel in years and it's an action game will platinum caters to it's a slam dunk right yeah but here's the issue now and i'm gonna put the blame on nintendo but i can almost guarantee you they were forced to implement certain things because of the hardware it was on yes absolutely you know what i mean like if you could magically take Star Fox Zero and put it on a PS4 pad or Xbox One, you know, slam dunk. So, I mean, I don't know how many times I can go to bat for them for platinum. Well, I think I think there's two I think there's two things at play here. I think beyond what you just said, I think one of them, honestly, I think Nintendo cheaped out on Star Fox Zero. Like, I think they just wanted because how do you just remake Star Fox sixty four again? You know, like, why do you not make a brand new Star Fox and put effort behind it? Especially when you know it's going to be one of your final Wii games or Wii U games. You know, I think Nintendo probably just cheaped out and they wanted to tell people, hey, we have a Star Fox game and they thought it'd be good enough to release. Um, And the other part is, I think just the more time goes on, you realize that as good as teams are, they're only as good as the people running the team. And I think a perfect example of this is from software, where if you look at Dark Souls 1, that Miyazaki was there, and then Dark Souls 2, where he wasn't, and then Dark Souls 3, where he came back, it is very clear the difference in those in those games, you know, that how, how lower level Dark Souls 2 is compared to the first and the third. And so I think as good as a, a team can be, like as good as I think Platinum probably is, there's still at the end of the day, you have to have a good person in charge to make sure things are going. You know, it's like it's like the Apple problem right now is, you know, most of those people there are the same people that were there when Steve Jobs was there, but you had a Steve Jobs there to give everything direction. And so I, I think Platinum's problem probably was for Star Fox Zero that, you know, it was a just get it done kind of game and not a we're going to put our best team on there and our best director on there. And do something fantastic. I have a question for you, gamer to gamer, being a nerd on the playground. Do you find it perplexing that Hideki Kamiya wasn't involved in Star Fox Zero when that's pretty much the only franchise? He's you know the type of person that likes to do his own thing in his own direction, but he was always vocal about saying that he would work on a new Star Fox. Like, I'm kind of confused about Kamiya at this point and like what things he does and doesn't work on. I know well I know what he does work on. He works about as much as what I work on. Twitter. <laughs> yes. Well, okay, beyond beyond Twitter. <laughs> beyond Twitter the game. I mean, I, we are I mean, he's my running mate for, you know, beating me out on Twitter. I mean, But okay, but like, you know, he I I guess he's the director on Scalebound, which I, I just looked up. Right. Um it probably makes more sense to have someone like him on there where you do want to try to make sure that there's a higher level of quality because that's a brand new IP that you're having to really bust your ass on versus Star Fox Zero where it's it's hard to completely screw that up. You know, it's kind of like, I mean, not that it doesn't get screwed up, but it's kind of like the whole porting thing to some degree, like the difficulty in porting a game is way less than than making a new game because there's already a template in place. You just need to make sure that you get everything done properly. Let me ask you this. I hope you don't mind me keeping this conversation going. Okay. If, is it possible, 
this is this is how my mind works. I've first off, I've never been to Japan. I've never stepped foot in Platinum's office. I have no idea with the structure, the work environment. I only know what everyone else knows from online articles, right? But I always put my my work mode thinking cap on. So, you know, Camille wasn't uh, involved in it as far as we know, right? Right. But this guy's got to go into that building. He's got to go into that work building every day. He obviously pro- you know, has his department or his desk and does whatever he does. And there's, I don't know how many other people, 50, 100, there's two floors, whatever it is. But am I nuts in thinking two things? One, he's had to have seen that game walking into that building or touch the controller, right? Yeah. I mean, there's no way this this guy's going into work being a Star Fox fan, and let's say it's the next office over. You're going to tell me this guy never laid eyes on it or didn't say a peep about it? Well, but, okay, so go ahead. ahead. And then the last point I was going to say is, is it possible that maybe he did a little something with the game, but he just didn't, didn't put his name, he didn't want his name on it, didn't care, and maybe tinkered with it here and there? I, I mean, because I've been in situations before where, let's say I'm working for a website, right? Right. And, or, you know, you can get the, the so in, we get this, this, this example. In, in our current situation with uh, EGM, we have three people kind of handling different parts of the website. We have one person who handles the news, one person who handles reviews and previews, and then I kind of handle like other stuff. And the kind of overall of the site. Um. There's kind of a thing where, you know, you might see one of these other people in doing their sections, doing things you don't completely agree with. But at, at, at there's some level of, I'm going to stand back and let them do their job kind of thing. Sure. I mean, if they're screwing up completely, that's one thing. But the <clears throat> smaller things, you know, you have to have some amount of not sticking your nose into their business and letting them do their job. Because if you do that too often, then they kind of like, you know, demeans like them and their role. So I, I think it could be a case of, you know, he's busy with Scalebound. He's probably focused on that. And he doesn't want to muck with other teams, you know, who are trying to do their own thing. Because he probably wouldn't want them coming to look at Scalebound. Sure. And, and I understand. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure he'd tell them to kiss off. But you you know what I mean? Like... But I, I think you know, but you know, I think it's also a Japanese thing too. Is sure. there's very much in Japan the opinion of you know you have a boss and that boss runs things and you don't kind of challenge that boss, even if you think they're wrong. Mm. So I think there probably is some amount of just staying out of people's business and letting them do their thing. Right. Well. I figured I'd get that off my chest while it was a relevant topic. I do honestly plan to int- uh, uh, play it some more, so I will give a follow-up on that. Uh, I'm enjoying what I've played of it so far. If I had any gripes, uh, the it's not even the tank. It's Oh, no, it's the uh, walker or the thing you transform into. Um, some of the controls on that were a little bit quirky, but I will tell you that there are training aspects for each respective vehicle, and I was guilty. I didn't do the training for that vehicle beforehand as I was playing the game, and I went back to it and did some training, and it was a bit better, uh, fooling around with some of my options. Uh, the flying sequences, though, I really enjoy the flying sequences. Those are pretty fun. But okay, so, let's, but can you, sitting here right now, believe 
that there is an actual possibility that Star Fox Zero, that game you're playing, is going to be the last Nintendo release for the Wii U. I thought about this the other day, and I had the same train of thought, but there is, if we're excluding Zelda, okay, the last one, I believe, and I'm not trying to make you laugh, is the Mario uh, Splash, the the new paint-inspired... Um, I don't have the exact name in front of me. Isn't that? I thought that was 3DS. Is that? No, 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 no. It, lo- it looks beautiful, and I'm not just saying that. It comes out the end of this year, so I think that's going to be one of their last. Paper Mario. It's like a splash something. Color, yeah. color splash. Okay, yep. I guess you know what I I didn't realize there hasn't that been that a lot. Yeah, yeah. But here's the deal. That's kind of a niche hardcore thing. I mean, you're essentially right. You know, Star Fox is a biggie. They have that one I just mentioned. And then jumping ahead, the NX or whatever it's going to be called, early spring 2017, it's going to be simultaneous release Wii U or close release, whatever it is, and NX. You know? I just, I'm, and I mean, I went, think I'm not on record. I, I went on record swearing the NX was going to be 2016. So I well, am, I am shocked by that development. Let me, I'm, I'm, I'm not, s- okay, I'm not, but I am, so. Uh, let me give. Uh, I got an article here, and I'll. After we're done with this, we're going to get to all of your world travels. Um, because I'm jealous, <laughs> and I have to live vicariously through you. Since we're on the topic of Wii U and NX, we'll get it out of the way right now. This article I'm going to read from and quote from actually comes from Game Informer, and it's a recent one. It's from April 27th. Uh, the person who wrote the article is Mike. Futter, F-U-T-T-E-R. So <clears throat> I won't read it word for word, but the title of the article is Analysis, What We Use Lame Duck Status Means for Nintendo. Early this morning, Nintendo announced its financial results for the year end in March 31st, 2016. Amidst staggering profit decline, the company also dropped a bombshell. NX is coming later than anticipated. There was never a formal announcement that NX was coming in 2016. However, with the planned release of Zelda on Wii U, long expected to be an NX title also, and the expectations of a speedy transition to the next hardware cycle, a fall 2016 launch seemed logical. Instead, Nintendo has announced that NX will launch March 2017, and the next Zelda game will release on the new platform and the Wii U simultaneously. This makes the Wii U a lame duck for about 11 months. And and this is why I'm talking about the article because I think right. it kind of relates to what you're saying. And this is an interesting take on it in a sense that um, and robs a holiday of the system's biggest software launch since Super Smash Brothers. This isn't a Nintendo is doomed story. This isn't a lament over the company's former greatness or a condemnation of its recent mistakes. This is a look at what the pieces of today's announcements mean for the company between now and March 2017 when NX hits. It's an analysis of how 2016 will be shaped by information delivered in the year-end financial statements today. It says, uh, Wii U is a lame duck. Uh, as we said, fiscal year, okay, ended March 31st. Nintendo sold 3.26 million Wii U consoles. That's a quarter of the life-to-date 12.8 million units sold since November 2012. This wasn't Nintendo's strongest year. It was bested by 2015 and the Wii U's launch in fiscal year 2013, but with games like Splatoon and Super Mario Maker, interest in the console was on par with past performance. 
That's why uh, we're taking note of Nintendo's expectations for Wii U in the coming year. The forecast moving forward for fiscal year 2017. Do you know how many they expect to sell, uh, Molly? Was it like 800,000? Yeah, yeah, you're on the money. Yeah. 800,000 units. Nintendo is communicating to investors that it doesn't see a way forward for the console. Of course, despite announcing a March 2017 release for NX, the company has not shared any predictions for sales numbers that would occur during the year ending March 31st. Therein lies the problem. Nintendo has effectively killed the Wii U with 11 months left to go, but it can't specify or substantiate any sales numbers for the replacement. Without detailing the hardware and an anticipated launch window software lineup, even if incomplete, Nintendo is sending the message that the Wii U's best days are behind it without giving people reason to be excited about the successor. I thought that was a good point, that sentence right there. Um, I'll repeat it once again. Nintendo sending the message that the Wii U's best days are behind it, which that doesn't shock us. But the interesting thing is it, they don't give people a reason to be excited about their successor because of what they've proven in recent years. Uh, the gentleman goes on to say, so far, this hasn't had a significant impact on the stock price, blah, blah, blah. The company says it anticipates producing Wii U consoles through the uh, 2018, but it's unclear why it would go through the trouble. Uh, let me skip around here. Uh, software sells consoles. The decision to boot NX Zelda to 2017 creates an enormous vacuum for Nintendo through the remainder of 2016. First, let's look at what we know. It's coming on the software. The Star Fox is out now. Tokyo Mirage which is going to sell about three copies. Uh, Mario and Sonic and Rio 2016. I don't know who the hell is buying that garbage still. Uh, Paper Mario Color Splash. Uh, Molly and I discussed that earlier. It does look very cool. Legend of Zelda, name not final, March 2017. And Project Giant Robot. And I have to admit here, um, I'm very guilty. I thought Star Fox Guard is what came from Project Giant Robot. So I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. Hmm. Uh, the third party list is filled with indie games from small studios that's not to say they won't be good but with Lego Star Wars The Force Awakens the biggest currently announced name and only premium game from a major publisher this reads like padding unless Nintendo decides to feature an indie on a Nintendo Direct promotional support has traditionally been non-existent uh, sending the Wii, off, Wii U off with a bang the Wii U is too yeah another good point here the Wii U is too expensive at 300 bucks. Yeah. You can get an Xbox One for that price and a PlayStation 4 for just 50 bucks more. Now, on a side note from me, Anthony, not the person who wrote the article, I mean, I, I bet you can get a PS4 for 300 bucks as well. I mean, they're all in that zone right now. It says, alongside the NX release window announcement this morning, Nintendo should have immediately slashed the price. I concur with that. I mean, drop that damn thing to 150 bucks. Get that, get that off shelves. Well, but you know what's funny? I mean, before you go on, because I just yeah, we use things I'm talking about. But um, they just announced the fact that the Xbox 360 is no longer going to be manufactured. Right. And that's still what is that at? Um, I'm trying to look and see what the current price is. Like that's still 199. So, oh, I mean, yeah, I mean, because there's, you know, I think both of us are kind of used to this world where consoles hit like that $99 point. But it's funny that both the PS3 and the Xbox 360 are going to end up going away without ever gotten that low. Well, valid point, different times, you know, um, different patterns. But 
nonetheless, that Wii U, I mean, with how it sells, I mean, what are they going to do? Keep the excess on shelves or put them in a landfill right next to ET? Well, I, well, okay, I want to ask you this because yeah, you know yeah. you used to work at a game store. Oh yeah. <laughs> so let's say, I mean, not that you owned your own, but I think you kind of had at least some inkling of how that game store business like worked. Right. So let's say that you yourself had a game store. Right. How do you personally sell the Wii U at this point? Throughout the holidays. Okay, uh, I'll answer this seriously, but the question I have is, do I have to sell it at 300 or are we talking at a lower price? We're talking the price that, that will get still get you profit for, for having sold it. So, I mean, at, at this point, I guess... You would have I'm going to say it. something really weird. You almost have to play kind of a Neo Geo card with it. You have to know, You have to know the customer and the true Nintendo fan. Here's the thing. When I used to work at the store... You know, even though some of the superiors didn't always like it, I never really lied to the customers. Now, that, that doesn't mean I called games SHIT and crap and garbage and don't waste your money. But I would get, I would be honest, like, if you have a child or someone, this, or someone who likes this genre or X, Y, and Z, then this system caters to you. If you're someone, you know, more of a casual gamer, you love sports or whatever, you know, go Sony. You know, you got Game Day, Madden, whatever. Um, you know, if, if you got to have the Sega arcade games or the Sega exclusives, you go with, you go with the Dreamcast. If you, if you love Nintendo and you got to have Mario and you can't live without Mario, you got to go Nintendo. So back to your question, you know, how do you sell the Wii U? Is it possible? Yes. But I think you only got two choices to sell Wii U. Hardcore, you got to get the collectors, the Nintendo fanboys who, who are educated and know something's coming, but maybe there's some titles they feel won't get remastered or won't come soon enough for them. Um... I mean, that's it. You have to know your fan base, but you can't. But if someone walks in a casual and they're looking at like all three systems and you sell them the Wii U just to get it off your shelf because you want the 300 bucks and you don't care about the person. I mean, that's just being that's selling. But it's, you know, it's not the right thing in my mind. Yeah, because I guess I mean, because I just feel like you have all these people that are going to know the fact that this this console in less than a year is going to be completely dead and have right. and have, you know, potentially like only like one or two more actual games. It's kind of like how, you know, the danger of announcing a price drop too too early. Because if, if you say, hey, in two months, the PS4, instead of being $300, is going to be $200. Right. But guess what happens? Everybody waits those two months to buy it. And right. you sell no consoles, you know. So I just like 11 months out saying, hey, this console we have on shelves right now, it's dead. You know, that's a crazy thing to me to... Uh, to have then no system in place for getting people, because you can't have people go out now and like pre-order the NX really, because we have no idea what it is, you know. So like, I'm it's shocking that you wouldn't at least have announced something. So you say, okay, here's when the NX is coming. Here's here's what it's here's at least a taste of what it's gonna be. You know, go to your local GameStop and, and pre-order it or whatever. Um, so that. You move people from purchasing a Wii U to pre-ordering the, the NX. But right now, I feel like you have this dead zone where they're doing neither. Yeah, I know. I mean, uh, you know, I've always made the joke in the past and, you know, they either just need to stop for a while and reset and, you know, 
even though we're going back and forth, stating that might not be the wisest thing, they are kind of doing that. It's I feel like almost that Nintendo is truly hitting the reset button right now. But, you know, they got to have a hell of a, a plan coming up. I mean, they got to be... They got to be serious, and I, I didn't print it. It was today, but there was an article with the new Nintendo president. Is it uh, Hashimoto, if I'm not mistaken? And he he tackled a lot of these questions, and you know, one of the main reasons he was saying for the March 2017 instead of this holiday was because um, he wants to make sure that there's ample software and the games are ready. You sure. know, essentially saying he doesn't want the system to come out with no games, which which is admirable because how many times have we seen a system come out with just like two games, in, especially Nintendo? Oh, and yeah. then you and then you wait because their counter argument. I don't know if it was sent by Iwata-san or someone else in the past. You know that the holiday season is very important, and Nintendo doesn't want you know not to miss that. But you know he counters that and says that their philosophy and mindset really hasn't changed, even though the person interviewing made it seem like that their philosophy had changed, and that he's they're truly doing it because they want it to be ready, and that there's no rule that the system has to launch holiday. Yeah, it's just it's just crazy though that like. They've basically stepped back and said, you know, PlayStation 4 and Xbox One, take this holiday. And that could just be dangerous. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, they have to... I mean, it's got to be so great or, you know... I don't know. The industry has changed in the sense, you know, I felt like certain titles, AAA titles for a while, and it still happens, get pushed out into the spring and summer because nobody wants to compete with Call of Duty. Right. But but even this situation is a little different because we're not talking about software. We're talking about a hardware launch. Yeah. You know? And we've seen handhelds in recent years come out around that springtime, February, March, you know, Vita, 3DS. Sure. Uh, you know, we've seen, uh, what, I don't know why this came to mind, June of 96 and 64 in Japan. But I mean, for a major console to launch in stateside in spring and not... October, November, that is kind of, that is kind of odd. Yeah. You know, so I don't know. I mean, and the other thing is, do, do you have a sneaking suspicion that a chunk of those launch games are going to be either tweaked, modified Wii U titles that they missed sales on because the user base wasn't there? I don't necessarily miss sales, but I mean, I definitely think... Um, at this point, I'm expecting uh, Smash Brothers to be there and Splatoon to be there. I, I think I think it only makes sense for Nintendo if you have like games like that to move that user base over, you know, and say like, hey, you know, we don't because I mean, I I, th- I feel like those are the two games that are still alive and. You want to give people as little reason to stick with the Wii U as possible. Let me ask you this, and I know the answer. Do you think Nintendo will be nice enough? Okay, so let's say it's not backwards compatible for the main stuff, which, okay. Do you think the virtual console games from Wii slash Wii U would carry over? I I sure as hell hope so this time. I don't. How many I, times? I don't think so because How? I think it's going to be a case. <laughs> I know. I think it's going to be a case of um, they have uh. to be tied to the your my Nintendo account. Mm-hmm. 
I don't know. I mean, I, that's, that's, that's the question. How many times do that's I have question. to buy Super Mario World in yeah, F-Zero? Yeah, I know. I know. I mean, I, I believe it was you I'll give credit. I think you were saying with systems or modernized systems, you know, will they start to play that Apple card where when you update your iPhone or get a new iPhone, you know, that stuff carries over digitally. I mean, gaming has to get to that point. Yeah, and I mean, that I've made this... I've bitched about this for years and years and years now but the problem with the way nintendo's done it is every time they've reset the next selection there's been less games come out (laughs) you know and and no i I mean i still have virtual console games on my wii that you know can't get anywhere i have the virtual console on my 3ds that can't get anywhere i i guess the question is because, I mean, they are tied to your Nintendo Network ID, but I have this weird suspicion that they're going to say, you know what, starting with your My Network account, we will make it so that you are, you know, have purchased this game because, again, we don't know what the NX is still, but if it's any kind of, it's portable on console both, I think at that point, they cannot sell you the same game on both platforms right it has to be cross-platform so i think at this point that's when they say starting now mm. you know if you buy on your my network then or my nintendo network or whatever id um then you'll have it and i gotta tell you it's only because of my ocd and the spreadsheet i keep that i have all of these accounts the information you know oh yeah remembered yeah. but i have to tell you if you gave me a test right now and I'm on a damn video game podcast, and I would fail. <laughs> I would fail this if I had to tell you my different usernames and passwords for the My Nintendo Club Nintendo Network ID, uh, uh, Mitomo. I I don't know what. I only know what's going on because I write everything down. But I can't keep that straight. Well, you you know the the, the fun part on situation I'm in. <laughs> I stupidly, because I was used to the PS3, I was used to the Xbox 360, I used to the Xbox One, PS4. I stupidly put my Nintendo Network ID on the work Wii U. Oh, it wasn't that when you reviewed Bayonetta 2? Yes. So what? What's the issue still? That was a while ago. Yeah, I can't. I, I can't get it off. What do you mean? Like, okay, so wait, time out. So two questions. That ID that's on, the, we'll call it the work Wii U. Are you able to utilize that information still at home personally? No, no, no. Oh, no. The thing is, the only way for me to get that account off is I have to do a full system transfer from that Wii U to another Wii U. But then the problem is some of the other people from work put their Nintendo Network IDs on that console. They got screwed too? Yeah. So get out of here. So this... And also, that would mean I would have to take the Works account, and then all the games we have registered for work would be gone from the Works. Were your coworkers livid about that? I don't think they cared, really, to be honest, because I don't think... Because the only person in my office, the people who own Wii U's never touched the work Wii U. Wow. But, so I've, I kind of had to just sacrifice my, my, Wii, my Nintendo account in terms of the Wii U. So let me ask you this. Now I don't I legitimately don't have intentions of selling my Wii U. I actually have a nice little collection on it, you know, I'll keep. But 
let's say hypothetically, I'm like, you know what? I'm done with this. Tomorrow, you know, I want to sell it to GameStop or whatever. Does that screw me out of the... How does that work? Would I now, would just have... And, and if anybody knows that I'm wrong, please tell me I'm wrong because then I can fix this. But my understanding as of the... When I did some research on this was the fact that you can and this is this is a dangerous part you can you can rem- i think you can remove the account from the wii u but then it's still technically tied to that wii u or you can delete that account but the problem is if you do that it's deleting your entire nintendo account. so it really it really is a scrub you can get rid of it but then it's gone gone right but wow. but you said you can get rid of it off the system, but my understanding was you cannot then put it onto another system because once you put it onto that system, it has registered that Wii U as being your registered oh, Wii U. My God. And the problem is I realized what I had done like 16 seconds after I did it. Oh, no. Oh, what a mess. Well... That's the a lot of the main points on this. Um, that's the bulk of the article. You know, the only other thing I can say about Wii U right now, uh, outside of Star Fox, I actually got, when I say got back into I mean, I popped it in a few times in the last week. I popped in Super Mario Maker again. A mm. uh, title I was very high on in the fall, and I still love it, but it's even better now because I haven't touched it in a few months, and there have been so many updates Um some of the layouts a bit better with uh, official Nintendo created levels, user levels. Uh, there seems to be a lot more. I really feel like that's a full blown title. I know why you played it now. Because you saw Baby Metal is coming to it. Oh my God. And you had to get ready for. Uh... <laughs> yeah. Baby Metal's the Japanese, the pop. Uh... It's it's the three girls who dress kind of like Gothic Lolita, and they're like heavy metal music. And don't they have a connection for some reason to pro wrestling? Mm, I don't think so, but I'm not positive. Yeah, because the only the person who kind of informed me a bit about them is fan Mad Tiger. But it's so funny. Are you into baby metal as well? I am. Yes, and oh, wow. I had realized recently that um they're coming to because they they had a, a few years ago they had a concert uh here in la like a small bar mm. and i really wanted to go but it was the same weekend as um uh san diego comic-con okay so i just couldn't go and then i found out recently they're coming here but i had missed the chance to kind of get tickets and I went online to see if I could get tickets, and I think they were like two hundred and some dollars right now. Wow. Yeah. Really? Yep. Hmm. So I unfortunately am gonna miss the show and that sucks, but um Well I'm I, I, I've seen a bunch of other Japanese acts when they've come to um Los Angeles. I'm gonna check right now. I'm checking to see. I'm on LiveNation.com to see how much the scalpers are putting these tickets up for. As the site like takes forever to load. Two resale. Okay, so two resale tickets. Let's see how much the resale tickets are. 
our pricing for tickets. Uh, there's one ticket for $228 and one wow. ticket for $274. Hey, that's still less than a Wii U. <laughs> yes, that is that is true. <sighs> I, I'm because uh, I missed both this and Perfume. They're both coming. <clears throat> but see, I've I've seen Perfume, but I haven't seen Baby Metal. So, if I'm not mistaken, while not video game related, as you know, I never get out of the house. I believe on Saturday, May 14th, I should be seeing the live NXT event Ooh. in town. So I just I, I saw I saw Eric Young just joined them. Yeah, I don't know if that's just another jab at TNA. I don't even know why TNA is still, with all due respect <laughs> to the workers, I don't even know why they're the doors are still open. But um, well, I mean, so we'll move past this real quick because um, this is definitely not a wrestling podcast, right? But did you did you see the big news about their headquarters recently? Yeah, about yes, no, yes, yes. How they had to move into their warehouse. It's unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, it's got to be a matter of time, but real, wrapping this up on that aspect, um, I guess I'm hoping to see Shinsuke Nakamura uh, in a couple weeks. Mm. And lastly, if you told me over the last few years when I was watching New Japan and Wrestle Kingdom and all that, if you said I had the opportunity or that I would be seeing Shinsuke Nakamura in my town a couple years <laughs> later, I would have told you you are an idiot. But it seems like it's going to happen. So yeah. we'll see how that goes. Now, I have a lot of other stuff here that I don't want to eat up uh, the number one gaming diva, Molly. I don't want to eat up all of her time. So, I, you know, I'll let you start. Um, you know, since our recording, it's been a couple months. You know, we touched base. You were at the Final Fantasy XV, the official unveiling. Mm -hmm. uh, you did PAX East most recently. There was GDC. But let's start off. I went May to London. You know, I didn't pry. We we did mention that on the last show. You were asking yeah. my opinion. So I'm going to ask, why did you go to London? Uh, there was a Homefront event. So we got Get to out go of here. Yeah. So this is... You, this went, oh, you flew ha halfway around the globe for Homefront. I, I, flew, I flew to England to see a game about uh, liberating America, which was a little <laughs> bizarre. But Who publishes that? That is Deep Silver, and the team making it is now Dan Buster Studios, who used to be Free Radical Design, which is a team who did the uh, Time Splitters games. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. And weren't they? Weren't wasn't some of that team at the time from Goldeneye? They might have been. Yeah, I mean, we're going back a long time. I haven't heard Time Splitters in hell a long time. Yeah, I wasn't really like I didn't play those games back in the day, so I'm not too familiar huh. with that but they might have been so you made that big trek uh-huh how long did you stay there uh so i got in on i left america on a sunday i got there monday around noon and then i flew out on thursday okay so a couple yeah so how was it how was the experience how did you how was the food how are the people uh i got to have a, a proper english breakfast which was really exciting um it was it was kind of crazy because up until that point, the foreign countries I'd been to were always non-English speaking countries. Ah. So it was really unusual for me to to be in a foreign country where I could still understand the language. Mm. But then, like, it was kind of weird because 
with slang and accents and everything, it was, uh, this is my language, but it's kind of not my language, too. <laughs> you liked it? Yeah, it was fun. I mean, um, I kind of wish I'd had a chance to be over there for longer and see more things. Right. Uh, and it was a really beautiful town, and I, but I just didn't have a ton of time to kind of see it and, and go around and stuff. How was the weather while you were there? While you it was were there? cloudy the entire time, which was very exciting for me. Oh, it was like, <laughs> I laugh when people say stuff like that to me because I'm like, oh, you don't, you haven't been to Oregon. Well, I mean, I'm coming from like perpetual sun, you know, Southern California. So right. any kind of actual real weather is, is very nice. Do you think you could put up with the overcast and oh, yeah. Yeah, you, you, as much as we get here? Oh, yeah. You know what shocks me? Seattle. Gets more than us. I can't even, I can't believe yeah. it. <laughs> but I like Seattle. I We've talked about that. Yeah. I like Seattle as yeah, well. me too. But, uh, so you did the whole UK trip. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the other more exciting uh, trips that I think you're kind of itching to talk about. Mm. You were at WCW. And that's <laughs> West Coast, uh... I don't know what I'm talking about because I wanted to say World Championship Wrestling. But you were <laughs> no, no, at, no, uh, yeah, it was fat. West Eric Coast, Bischoff, West Coast Eric, War Zone. Eric Bischoff was there. The new <laughs> NWO was there. It was kind of crazy. Um, yes, West Coast War Zone. How was so that? This, so this is um, so this came a short time after No Cal Regionals, which of course is the Northern California big tournament. Uh, this is not as big as that, but it was still a, a, an okay size. Um, this was down. Actually, right near, and I was confused. Do we have Disneyland in California? I think it's Disneyland, not World. Uh, so it's like, yeah, it, I literally could see. I watched the Disneyland fireworks from my hotel, so that's how close we were. Wow. Um, there were a decent selection of, um, you know, high level people there. This this was an official Capcom Pro Tour tournament, and that was my. First time ever being in like a real tournament, and so it was kind of crazy, and I completely got my butt kicked. Mm. Uh, but you know, it was a lot of fun. And talking to people, they're like, "You're gonna always do horribly like your first tournament because you're kind of used to being at home." You know, I mean, and this because I'm a, I'm a home player. You know, I play online. I butt sat, so that's what I do sitting in my living room when I play, you know, um, and they're like, you're going to come here and you're going to sit next to somebody. It's going to be a tournament on the line and you're going to drop your combos. You're, you're going to like miss your buttons. You're going to swear that you're doing something and not, it's not coming out, but that's just like what always happens. And so that's kind of like what happened, but it was, it was fun. And the, you know, there's kind of this, this the, the fighting game community, I feel like, has gotten kind of a bad rap in some ways about, you know, not being inclusive or whatever. But I really feel like going to this and going to other kind of smaller events is that if you show that you have any level of actual, I have practiced and played and I am taking this seriously kind of talent, and if they can tell that you are taking it seriously i think people give you respect like very quickly Mm. um because i met tons of people there i i talked to people you know just meeting them for the first time 
everybody was really nice and they were giving me advice or just talking about things or whatever or, or being like, yeah, you know, don't worry about losing because that's what's always going to happen and stuff. And I, it's funny because I'm thinking back because I was just at, you know, PAX East and I spent like most of my free time there, like playing the Street Fighter Five machine. Um, and the wow. same thing, the same thing kind of happened there wow. because I would walk up to the machine and they'd be like, "Oh, you know, she doesn't know what she's doing." And then as soon as I showed that I did, like people got really friendly and and really you know wanted to talk and stuff. And so like at both events, I kind of saw that people were really nice to me as soon as they saw that I was taking this seriously and right. that I was actually trying to do something and not just there to, you know, scrub around and mash buttons and stuff. Hmm. Um, so were all the spot, like were the mad cats of the world, evil geniuses, like Justin Wong, pretty Ricky. Okay. so uh, of- Yeah. So uh, Wong was there. Ricky was there. Um, Guilty, if you know Guilty, she was there. Uh, who else was What about, like, there? maybe, like, a Juice Box or anyone from Cross Counter? I don't or... think Juice Box was, no. Um, gosh, there were there were some other, like, higher level, because, like, Evil Geniuses had three, three people there. Mm. Um, there were... Like I know, infiltration wasn't there. Gamer B people like that weren't there. But there, there were there was like I'd say. Was Arcade Shock there? The like a booth or anything? No, there was. There was. It's it's funny because I got kind of spoiled because last year I went to Evo for the first time, and that was my first real going to a tournament experience, and I went to the biggest tournament there was. Right. So that kind of threw off my expectations for like what these are going to be, and so the actual, like show was way smaller than i was expecting mm. i'd say maybe like a couple hundred people at most were there oh, okay. and that was it um but said so there were there was i want to say there was like 10 or 12 like pretty high-end players not to jump around on you but do you think you'll do evo again this year i've been thinking about that um because i feel i, I kind of feel like if if i were to go to evo i do want to compete right now and, and i was looking at numbers and they just announced like they've now got four thousand people signed up for evo wow so that's wow. like kind of crazy and um they're uh it, but that makes me feel better that i could possibly at least get like a win or two out yeah, just due to the sheer mathematics of progression. Yeah, it's, it's just like my hope would be... But see, that was the funny part of, of being at West Coast Warzone was I was looking at the pools and it's like, oh my God, I could I could be in the same pool as like Justin Wong or... <laughs> okay, so there was like um, uh, PR Balrog uh, was there. Oh, he was? Yeah. Filipino oh, wow. Champ was there. Well, oh, no kidding. He's, what were they... Uh, this is all SF5? Uh yeah, a- Alex oh. Alex Vale was there, so there. Uh, Brett is cool. Uh, so there was uh, some pretty high level people, and but it was funny because I was like, I was thinking, okay, those people like probably have just like a first round advancement or something, but no, like they were in the same pools that we were in. So I was like, oh, freaking out, and then, um, it's funny because my first round opponent, uh they were starting to call time on waiting for people to come in and he hadn't shown up yet. 
So I was literally sitting there like, please don't show up. Please just give me a bye for the first round, you know? <laughs> and then like at the last second he showed up and, and then I lost to him. And then I technically got a win because somebody hadn't shown up for one of the like later things. Mm. Um, I think that was when I was, no, I don't know. Was that when I was in the regular pools or the uh, losers thing? I don't know, but... But I mean, like I said, I I went there. I went there knowing I wasn't going to get anywhere. You know, it was the I wanted to go to have that experience and start to try to see if I could get over the going to tournament jitters. Yeah, like so. the anxiety. But you know, right? It's it's about having fun though, and I'm not just saying that because you know you didn't win. Right. But it really is. I'm, I'm assuming you know it's more like a night out, hanging out. Yeah. Getting to meet some people. You know, I think that's, I mean, I used to, while on a lower, much lower scale, I used to help out with some of the tournaments in the game crazy days. And we did have some top players come down from the Northwest region from Seattle, which I'll give a shout out again. Rayblade X, Rayblade did all the work, but he would sometimes come and utilize the store I was working at at the time. And I mean, I know what it's like to play against decent or upper tier people. And I got the, you know, the crap knocked out of me. But it's it's a fun time though. It's a fun event, you know. Um, especially when the people are polite and respectful. It's it's a nice time. Yeah. And and but my my real focus right now is because the last two years at E three, Capcom has done Street Fighter tournaments. Um, that I've been in uh, both. Right. And I'm it's it's against media, so I'd be against other media players, which I actually have a chance against. So <laughs> um, I'm hoping that that does happen this year again. Right. And. I ha- I feel like good about my chances to do that, and if that happens, that would be completely streamed, so mm. people could jump on and see whether or not I do okay. Speaking of all the uh, fighting game hoopla, um, I downloaded Alex a few weeks ago, but I still haven't downloaded Guile yet. I've just been lazy; I haven't turned on my system. But have you? tinkered around with the latest editions in street fighter 5 yeah um because i have mine the auto update so i got a grabbed it last night i think or this morning one of the two <clears throat> um no last night that's when it was and uh yeah i was playing around them just a little bit today but i only had like about 10 minutes or so to take them into the trial right i like i don't it's 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 really funny because um I'm, i don't really like the street fighter 2 cast just in general just in general, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, uh, there's something about the graphics, the visuals for Street Fighter V that make me more okay with them. I think like Street Fighter Four was really ugly. And I think that that kind of soured me even more on these characters. Mm. But like in Street Fighter V, I don't hate Zangief. I actually like Dalzim's kind of new uh, updated look. Right. And I'm not a big fan of Guile, but he doesn't look that bad. Um, it's just like I'm kind of the person who I'm just sick of playing against those characters like over and over and over again. <laughs> so I would love to not have them in, but I also know that that fans want them. And right. at this point, anything that can hopefully make Street Fighter Five more popular, you know, I will. I will take. How is its popularity right now? I think it's. I think it's rough. I think. I think it's got its really core, like hardcore fan base of like fighting right. game community people but i think getting it out to the masses has been a really tough thing i, I don't want to beat a dead horse but you think do you think they should uh look i know the big thing was for the tournaments and the timing so i know that's a huge thing but 
in a perfect world. Here's what they should have done. What they should have done is... Released another Street Fighter 4 update. No, 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 no. You release Street Fighter 5 only digitally. And you you call it like Street Fighter 5 Preview Edition or Street Fighter 5 Early Access. Right. Something like that. And you get the game out there. You get it into the player's hands for the tournaments. But you make it feel like, okay, this is your early look at the full game. And you consider June or July, once the storyline thing is in there, you consider right. that to be the actual release where you put discs on shelves. They could have almost done a play on words as we're saying it out loud. They could have done Street Fighter V Tournament Edition and it literally it was could have been Tournament Edition version. Yeah, something like that. Like something to to designate that it was not the full main version. Right. But it's just like I mean, even then though, there's weird things like the fact that you can't do. And I mean, I don't care. I'm, let's be clear. I do not care about what's missing. Right. But the fact that you can't do versus CPU outside of training mode is really bizarre. There's like some really weird missing things. Right. And it it's. It's really rough and sad that the game came out in such an unfinished state. Mm. So, like I said, I, I would have done something where you release it digital only, or you know what, you if you pre-order the physical version that's coming out in July, then six months earlier you get this kind of version. You know, if you want to call the beta, you can call the beta. Whatever you do, just like release it digitally only. Have it be focused on player versus player. With, with the idea that come July, you're then getting the full game. Let me ask you this. With all of your world touring and tournament play, uh, do you feel that this is whetting your appetite and in due time you'll be doing similar for King of Fighters 14? That's like, that, I've been thinking that. Is like, because I was like, okay, do I want to now try to get serious with King of Fighters or do I want to just, play one game and try to get good at one game because i'm i have come around on king of fighters 14 like i was really not happy and excited you for get, it at you first. get to play as nakaruda i hate that it's so weird oh it's so weird why is she in this game <laughs> you want to play as uh, uh we can revitalize a little bit of history here with team k dash K-Dash, Kula, Maxima. See, my characters are um, Mai, but like I like 98 Mai. I don't like her past that. So I got to see like what they've done to her, to her in this one. Uh, Yuri's been a character of mine. King's been a character of mine. I am a hardcore Shermie fan. Uh, she won't be in this one. Yeah, but. you like the look. Um, and no, I, no, I, no, I like how she plays. Oh, okay, okay. Um, I, I do Kyo sometimes. Uh <clears throat> Trying to think of who else. I know your new team. It's Team Official Invitation. <laughs> I don't know. I have no idea who these characters are. Sylvie, Kukri, Mian. <laughs> or how about Team South America? Okay, wait, 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 before you go on. <laughs> do, do you know? Do you know the Sylvie thing? I honestly do not. I'm what I'm doing right now is I'm on madmanscafe.com, mmcafe.com, and I'm fantastic site. Yeah, yeah, 
And I'm cheating right now looking at the list of confirmed, the full main roster. And I have to be honest, while I've been watching some of the trailers and keeping abreast of this title, this is the first time I'm actually looking at the full list. So back to your question, I have no idea about Sylvie uh, nor which character that is. Okay, so Sylvie um, Paula Paula is this really, really weird looking girl who has like lightning attacks and it's funny because i think most people when she came out they're just like wtf at this character uh, but a few of us knew exactly what she is what she is is she's a play on a japanese pop star called kyari pamyu pamyu really yes so if you look up that that um that j-pop star Okay. Like you will instantly understand that this character is a play on her. Really? Yeah. Hmm. So it's it's weird that they just kind of decided to do this like homage to Japanese pop. But that's now, that's, who, that's who she this, is. This game is being developed still primarily by Japanese individuals, but correct me if I'm wrong. This is still now a Chinese-owned company, correct? So they, they, um, SNK has been trying, from my understanding, they've been trying to get back more of their kind of older school staff to okay. make it like more proper SNK again. But yes, they are now they are now owned by a Chinese company, um, which I have to believe is part of the reason that there's so many Chinese characters in this game now. And that the new main character is Chinese. I didn't realize um, the new main character is Chinese. I, know, I see Team China on here. It's uh, and forgive my mispronunciation. It looks like Shun A Tung and Mei Tenkun. Yeah, it's whoever the the kid with the green hair and the headphones is. The green hair and the headphones. He's kind of the new um, Ash, if you will. I'm looking. Green hair and the headphones. How am I missing this? He should stick out like a sore thumb. I'm, okay, he's not on Team China, actually. He's on Team... Mm, what team is he on? Is he on... He's not wearing a hoodie or anything, is he? Heroes? Is he on... Oh, Lord. He, he's... Uh, what is he on? I'm sorry, people listening to this. No, that's okay. I'm looking here, and I'm literally looking at the entirety of the main roster, he and I can't... on team... What am I missing? There's Team Japan, Art of Fighting, Fatal Fury, well, there's, South, there's South Team America. Team Japan. Yeah, you're looking official, at it now? Official Invitation, Another World, South Town. Is this, is this an incorrect listing? Maybe it is. Um... Mexico, Yagami, Ikari, K Dash, Psycho Soldier, Woman, Fighters, Villains, China. Oh, what team is he on? <laughs> this is going to drive me crazy. Cause I or is it one of those things where the individual is like a lone wolf on his own? No, he doesn't he, have a team. He's on a team. Just, you know what, for anybody listening, just, you know what, skip ahead like a minute and we'll probably be past <laughs> this nonsense. But because I really want to figure out like There are what, some gnarly looking characters here. There's people like right now just like yelling at their at their listening devices. Well, I feel like the biggest idiot because I'm literally looking at the characters and I don't see Well, this. you might, I don't know if you have the wrong list. Okay. 
All right, Kim team, Mexico team, Southtown, Ikari, K-Dash, China. I don't think he's Shuni, Shuni or whatever. Uh, Japan, official invite. It's not official invite. I'm jumping over trying to look at the uh, d the potential download content, but... I wonder I if he... I cannot find him. Because he's not, he's not a villain's team. I will say this. If if we're looking at the same bracket, I thought there were supposed to be 50 characters off the start, and I think the bracket we're looking at has 48, I think. Well, that's missing the boss, though, right? The boss and then one of the character. Okay, so yeah, the bo so maybe the one that's missing is the ace, the main person. Let's see. King of Fighters. The pro. boss is Antonov. Antagonist, King of Fighters. Spell Fighters right. What is that guy's name? And by the way, while while Molly looks up the the main, the big cheese in King of Fighters 14, it does have a release date now, which it will hit stateside August 23rd, and I believe August 25th in Japan. Uh, also, as far as I know, uh, no more SNK Play More Again, and SNK yeah. is back with its tagline, The Future Is Now. Yeah, it's like super old school. So it's I don't kind know. of like, I mean, like, the thing is, is, you know, to be fair, we know this is not, like, the old school uh, SNK that we fell in love with. No. But um, it's, it's kind of nice just to have them be SNK. Uh, okay, so it is it is the Shun A guy. Oh, it is. He's got green hair and headphones and... Um, if I can, I will send you a picture if I can figure out how to do this. Yeah, and I'm looking. Uh, oh God. Okay, so wait, I see. Oh, I see him now. I got it. Yeah, yeah, that's the him. new protagonist. And I he's got in. Him. He's he's Chinese. Oh. So I feel like there's a kind of heavy Chinese, but you know what? The same time I say that, it's it's so nice to see that there is still that strong kind of teams from around the world. You know, team. Uh, we got a proper team Mexico, and they have a, a proper stage. We have a South American team. There are actual black people on this roster. <laughs> uh, something that other fighting games from Japan can't always uh, get, you know, the understanding of how to do. So I'd love to see, you know, I think the next game they need like a Korean team. Because I well, mean, they, we, we, we kind of had that when uh, Yolith was running this. Well, there's, the, te there's Team stuff. Kim. Yeah, oh, but... But Luong is actually Vietnamese, I think. Really? So Gong Gong Il. Oh, um, you're right. Do I, you know who I was thinking? I was thinking of. No, you're right. I was thinking of the other gentleman from Team Korea, the one with the different stances. No, you're right, because Luong is Duo Luong, isn't it? No, no. Luong Luong is the is the new girl. Wow, I'm way off. Who am yeah, I? and and I think I think she's Vietnamese, but then. Um, uh, so I guess they are kind of. I mean, because Kim is Ki Ki Kim is from Korea and, and Gong Il is from Korea. So I guess it's like two thirds Korean. Who's team. the cutesier looking Blue Mary on the female team? She is from Pachinko, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which she should have been Blue Mary. Yeah, <laughs> is it, is like, it, doesn't she have a little bit of a? It's like Blue Mary's. Uh, as a teenager, stealing Terry Bogard's cat. Well, it's no. Here's what's funny, and and this is like one of the things um, that I would kind of argue is that another world team is basically here's our pachinko characters. 
because <laughs> Mui Mui is is Pachinko, and I guess her name's Loveheart. Well, yeah, that's with the way the Japanese think, not the stereotype. You know, I'm sure in their mind, another world is like another universe, another game. Right, but I mean, they, so, they're, they're, yeah. but they're literally three. I mean, because I think I don't know if Nakaruru. If she's been in a pachinko game, but you kind of have like two pachinko characters in the Nakaruru, like I really would have not <laughs> not had Nako on there, and move um, Alice, which is the Blue Mary looking girl, right? Move her to that team, and then just have it be like Team Pachinko and just get it done with. Mm. But you know what? What's funny? What's funny about this is that in that announcement you were talking about, where SNK comes out and says that we're now SNK again and the future is now. They straight up said, we are no longer making pachinko games. We are going back to hardcore gaming. And the crowd there loved it. But it's funny that they say that. And then, like, there's this team of pachinko characters right. on the, in the game. What a 180. What, a, what an about face in uh, philosophy and direction. I, but I love that that can happen. You know, I, I love that, like, a company can come back from what seemed to be, like, the dead. Right. Well, I mean, this company... Uh, might as well be called SNK Cats because this company has been down and up and down and up and changed its name. Uh, you know, it's got nine lives. Now, wanting a glimpse of the past of the old SNK, we have a couple opportunities coming up. There's the one we already know about, which is Last Blade 2 hitting PlayStation 4 yes. in May. So excited. That is a big one for Molly. And then also literally just hot off the presses announced today, I saw the update on SRK. The King of Fighters 2000 coming to PlayStation 4 in May. I don't understand that. I don't really either. Uh, because, I mean, for, for I think for anybody who is um, who cares about King of Fighters enough to want to buy this game, there's, there's two years you're going to go towards. There's 98 and there's 02. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I remember from 2000 is that it was the last... King of Fighters, still created primarily by the bulk of the old school SNK team. That's also a reason as to why Metal Slug 3 stands out. And I want to say this was like the last kind of King of Fighters of that era. The one thing I find perplexing in the article, and I don't know if this changed because I printed this out this morning. Uh, this is only like two short sentences. It says, Slowly but surely, SNK has been announcing plans to port more of its classic fighting games to modern consoles. The most recent of these, The Last Blade 2, coming to PlayStation 4 and Vita in May. Hot on its heels is another classic SNK fighter from the turn of the millennium. It says, The latest edition of the PlayStation broadcast has revealed that the King of Fighters 2000 will be coming to PS4 in North America on May 3rd. Now, this is the part I don't understand. Specifically... The PlayStation 2 version of the game will be coming to the console as a PlayStation 2 classic. Yes. Oh, wait a minute. I you know what? You know what was yes. throwing me off? I forgot that the PlayStation 4 now has PS2 classics. I forgot yes. about that. So, so, yes, to be clear for anybody, um, Last Blade 2 is a, is a porting of that game to the PS4. Uh, I believe, as far as I know it, it's going to have like online gameplay and stuff. I would assume um, that's getting the Metal Slug 3 treatment. Yes. It's, it's very much like if you if you own Metal Slug 3 already for PS4, it's going to be the same kind of thing. Uh, King of Fighters 2000, however, is part of this new line of PS2, like, quote-unquote upgrades that has, like, trophies and 
upgraded visuals. I don't know how they're going to do that on the King of Fighters 2000. Um, but yeah, that that is not a we're bringing 2000, Chaos 2000 see. to the, the console. It's we're bringing the PS2 version of that game to the console. Well, you and I are way ahead of the pack and we're too cool for school because you and I have already been on the SNK sale on the Japanese PlayStation Network for PlayStation 3. So that's that's going in the wind, if you know what I mean on that one. I bought so many of those games already. Yeah, and I need to... Uh, I feel... Oh, my God. You should feel so bad money. because I saw the tweet and then I literally oh. went to Japan Codes and got $20 worth of uh, Japanese yen. I I spent, like, basically $100 worth wow. of yen on stuff, I think. Wow. I mean, I, I, have, I have something that left over at this point, but I... I I no maybe okay wait maybe I didn't maybe I only spent fifty because I know I had a card but I think I s- used that for other stuff as well yeah because okay to be fair I bought a bunch of SNK stuff but then I also did buy like um I bought Ridge Racers two like the PSP PlayStation Portable yeah I bought I bought that for my Vita I bought the Hatsune Miku Project Eve Extend. Uh, PSP, so I got also some PSP stuff as well. So it wasn't wow. just SNK stuff, but I spent enough on SNK stuff that I wish I would have known about this and waited. <laughs> in my in my in my defense, the Japanese store had the sale going on where like twenty percent off everything, and I've heard the Japanese store is notorious for not having a lot of sales, so that's why I had jumped on it. Yeah, it was great. You know, because of that, I I picked up um I know an oldie but a goodie that you love. I got the PS3 version of Shock Troopers for under four bucks. Yep. I mean, that is a damn classic. I picked that up. I picked up the Foon Super Combo Pack. Um, uh, why can't I think of it right now? With uh, with the title that was fetching over ten grand if you had the European version. I don't know why the name is escaping me right now all of a sudden. But And then I also picked up Battle Archives 2, uh, Fiddle Fury. And then I picked up a PS1 classic, which was not SNK-based. But I picked up a really obscure um, robotic side-scrolling beat-em-up. It was originally on the X68000, and then it came to PS1, but the PS1 version was different. Hmm. And, the, of course, the name is its going to bother me now. I'm, You know what I'm shocked about is that there's so oh. many... Um, go ahead. Mad Stalker Full Metal Force. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Um, there's so many SNK PS2 games on there, but they don't have the Sam Show Collection. Which is really weird. No, I think they have, what is it, Sam Show 6 by itself? Yes, and then they have an, another game that, I don't know if it's 5 or like, it might be 5. Well, the other one that's on there, which may be a PS1 classic that I got years ago, and I only got it to see how bad, I remember reading in Game Fan and other magazines for years how bad the loading times were. I did get the fencing pack years ago. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, whoa. Yeah. I mean, I can't put into words the load times on that. That has game. like loading like mid match. I want to say honestly, I think it's worse than the Neo Geo CD. It's it's really bad. It is horrendous. Yeah, I, I think I think at least with Neo Geo CD, like I think they put enough RAM in there that, right. and they knew like how to load things in there, and like so the loading times were bad. But I don't think you had a lot of like mid match loading that this actually had like. Yeah, I got that. I actually bought that brand new when I was at Game Fan. I wanted and, that so bad was, back in the I day. I was so devastated by that. Release. Wow. Because I love Sam Show too, uh, and and that was the era 
when, um, you know, like SNK games didn't come home. Right. No, I'm with you on that. It was a rarity. And uh, what was I going to say? The um, Oh, shoot. The other thing, I wasn't going to say this next, but Kazuna Encounter was the other one I was thinking of. But no, mm. the uh, that fencing pack, you know, you're exactly right. Uh, it, it was hard to, to come by that stuff outside the Neo Geo. And if you did, it was really watered down. Um, and with and in this day and age, where so many people are going back and re- either translating stuff we've never gotten, the one I really want that we've never gotten officially is the Samurai Shodan RPG. Yep. And yeah, I, you you would think like at this point, like ugh, that would be really interesting if they could just bring that back somehow. And that like game doesn't look services. like crap. I've watched some YouTube videos; it looks pretty cool. I feel like you could do like a Steam release for that. Yeah. Yep. Uh, speaking of all these classics, and we have a little bit more SNK news this evening. It's, I feel like we're doing our SNK episode again that we did about two years ago. <laughs> but um, speaking of classics, while not SNK, did you get your hands on Power Drift and the Sega 3D Classics release on 3DS? I did. I was playing it last night. It's a... Um, that's a questionable selection of games on that cartridge. It is. I mean, as we've gone over on this show before, yeah. I mean, the only real reason to pick that up was Power Drift. And Puyo Puyo 2. Right. Yeah. What do you think? I mean, going in with that mindset? Uh, but but have you played Power Drift with, like, the 3D on? I... It destroys my eyes trying to... I never... That. Well, it's got... It must be crazy because of the way that so, super scalar effect goes. Yeah, I mean, stuff like, stuff like Sonic looks amazing. With the 3D, but you try to play Power Drift and like, oh god, that is. I mean, that's got to almost send you into epilepsy fits. Yeah, that's like super intense. Yeah, for those who don't know, it's a roller coaster ride of a title using that super scalar uh, visuals, which have seen been seen in like Afterburner and Outrun, but it's going at a much higher pace. Yeah, yep. so that's that's got to be nutso on the eyes. Real back on the SNK topic, you know. That system never ceases to amaze with finding, you know, undiscovered gems, jewels, and diamonds. What do you think of the uh, news of the unreleased, tentatively titled Dark Seed? This is really exciting. Like, and I know, um, I'm not going to know his name, but like one of the people who worked on it. I think came it was out. Kengo Asai. Yeah, I think it's something like that. The game's and creator. He's like, yeah, I'm kind of sad that this came out, but it's also kind of interesting that people get to see it now. Um, it looked like, I mean, it looked like a really ambitious, like crazy fighting game. And it's it's neat that it's out. I, I think it's really neat that it's not lost to time, you know, I mean, because that very, very easily could have been. Right. Um, it's just a shame that like it wasn't at a, at a more completed state than it is. Yeah, it's it. for those who don't know, once again, shout out to Madman's Cafe. The the look of the game and the feel was kind of dark fantasy inspired. And each respective character had... Um, it kind of reminded me of Samurai Showdown Slasher Bust. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's got lawful, neutral, and chaotic. So, which, I, of course, is, is D&D stuff, if you've ever played D&D. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh my, really? Oh, my God. Wait. Oh, my oh God. no. Do you know, how do you not like that is like one of the basic RPG tenants that exists out there. Every oh, wow, 
I'm, I'm, I can just imagine like the reaction of our listeners when you just said that. So, yes. Well, my only D&D experience, I always give props to Capcom. I mean, I was familiar with a little bit of the old PC titles and whatnot, you know, that where you move one screen at a time, the old school style. Uh, what is it like Eye of the Beholder and things of that nature but I will say this I mean I'll come right out on the show and say it you know I always had an eye for the D&D art and I always thought it sounded cool and I was very close a couple times in investing in some of the handbooks and whatnot but I never pulled the trigger on it so I've never actually played traditional D&D hardcore D&D ever in my life so okay so in the D&D world, and this kind of like branches out to a lot of other stuff, you know, as, as it gets more popular and influential, there's nine basic alignments you can have. Um, and it works off of good, evil, neutral, and then the lawful and chaotic. So you have lawful good, neutral good, chaotic good. You have lawful neutral, true neutral, chaotic neutral, lawful evil, neutral evil, and chaotic evil. So... For example, trying to remember like how exactly these broke down, something like a lawful good would be, for example, a paladin, somebody who is a good character, but uh, they live their goodness through laws and order, and you're not going to break those laws. I guess you could think in a way... I was gonna say Batman. I don't know if Batman really fits, but if you think of like how Batman says like he's not gonna ever kill anybody, <clears throat> right? That's kind of more of like a lawful good character. Whereas like a chaotic good character is um, the example I'm seeing right here is like like Robin Hood, which he is doing things for the good of other people and the good of life, but he does things in a chaotic way, like he ra- robs from the rich, you know. Whereas a lawful good character, because they're following the law, they would not ever rob from anybody. So it's it's kind of like those those nine positions on this kind of alignment scale determine like are you good are you evil and what does that mean in terms of how you live your life. So super that is like one of the most basic RPG things. In well, now that you keep really jabbing design. it in and digging it into me, I know. Let me ask you this: I'm going to put you on the spot. I'm going to turn the tables. Okay. How much experience do you have with D and D? I have played D&D. Uh, Mrs. Expert? Yes, I, I, I ran a paladin like <laughs> many, how, many, how, many, many where, years where, ago. Where did you find time for this amongst your Fantasy Star 2 bulletin board, your zines? I mean, where, where did you fit in the well, D&D? So, so, okay, so growing up, I had a brother who played D&D. And <laughs> he played D&D during that period where people thought that it was like satanic stuff and it was gonna you were gonna become evil if you played D D. Right. So he played during that era and so then he had we had a bunch of D D books laying around. So I kind of like picked up on them from that. And then when I was in high school, um I had friends who were into D D and Warhammer and that kind of stuff. Like I had a friend who in his basement had the gigantic um diorama not diorama but you know the the miniature town set up so you could have your 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 kind of like i don't think it was warhammer like with the physical pieces like there was the board and figurines you yeah yeah so i played i played dungeons and dragons i played the the star wars tabletop rpg wow do you still do any of this no i don't i mean like i've the last time i played 
God, it would have been like 20 years ago. Was any of the game fan crew back in the day into any of this? I don't. That's a good question. Because um, I feel like the thing is, like, I feel like at least for the circles I was in, right, that this that RPGs of this nature were the big thing, kind of before video games hit. I mean, I mean, did. that would be we're talking like seventies, late seventies. It was kind of probably one of the peaks, right? Weren't there I'd even... say late late seventies or mid to early eighties, right? Um, but I mean, it said it, it was still around uh, and still popular, like when I was in high school later on. Um, but I think the thing is, like, a lot of people, you know, for me, uh, playing that D&D turned into, for example, and I, you're going to not have a clue what I'm talking about when I say this, but some people will, um, like the gold box SSI uh, D&D games for, like, computers and stuff, you know, so instead of sitting there, the dungeon master and players at around the table, you went on your computer and you could make up your own party members and then the, go dungeon crawling. I, I'm not just saying this to try and redeem myself. I'm vaguely, for, I am familiar with what you're saying, not all firsthand. I certainly remember SSI. I vaguely know what you're talking about because there were kids at that point in time, probably middle school, that I know that were into that. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so I mean, that was like one of the, like that was one of the kind of, I don't want to say the earliest, but that was one of the early like hardcore Western RPG outlets for players. Um, and I mean, that doesn't, of course it doesn't replace the sitting around with your friends and, and playing, but it was a way for people who couldn't have that experience to then have a different RPG experience. And I think a lot of us then transferred into uh, the video game stuff. I have to ask, isn't the, the dungeon master, the DM, isn't, isn't there a lot of imagination at play with these, yeah. Setups like there's obviously rules and whatnot to abide by, but it's a lot of it is just I mean, I've 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 DM'd like once or twice. It's mm. it's it's basically telling a story and that's the thing is like you know, the the most successful players and the most successful games are the ones where um people uh have the imagination and the intelligence in order to make a story that's fun but also uh challenging and interesting and that will keep your uh, you know, keep you engrossed the entire time. And it's funny that I, I work with somebody right now who um, does a podcast where they actually sit on the podcast and play D&D. And he has celebrities come in and they play D&D with them. Celebrities? Yes. And they have like, they get sponsored by like beer companies. So the get, company wait a minute, time. We'll send, for, send them. We'll send them like tons of beers. So they can just drink it during during the podcast and stuff. And they for, have for D and D. Yes, and they have a lot of followers. Mm. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, those are two, what was it you said? It's uh, you know imagination, and I can't remember the other thing. But I mean, those are two things that I, I have none of. Yes, which is why I got into video <laughs> games. But so but, for anybody who ever cared, my my D and D class is Paladin. So wow, I mean, are you allowed to say what the other show is? What D and D show that is? I I don't I don't want to say it just because I offhand don't remember the exact name. Well, I, I I've embarrassed I've tarnished the show that much that I. <laughs> I'll, I'll see if I can find it. Like while, while we're doing but the that's research. amazing. So okay, uh, I've got to pry. When you say celebrities, are we talking like Hollywood celebrities? Are we talking celebrities in the game world, like IGN? And, like, at what level of celebrity are we talking that call in to play D&D? No, I mean, they actually go to the place and they play it together. Really? Um, yeah, but 
I would say it's not like Tom Cruise, obviously. Um, <laughs> it's a podcast following professional actors and comedians playing DVD while drinking. Uh, let me see as we're talking if I can give you any examples of who they've had on their show. So it's called Crit Juice. So for anybody who cares, um, I don't know if players would list the people who have come in. Those are the main players. Like, I wonder if they have um, who has come in and been on it. But basically, the person who who does this, like, he's also he was also part of the Groundlings for a while here in LA and stuff. So he's you know he he knows people through that. So um, yeah, the problem is I can't. You still uh, you still have uh, any of your books or? I do back home, and I actually had. Um, Again, this is like getting super nerdy, but I, for example, I had like the Monstrous Compendium and I actually, uh, that came with the template so you can make your own monsters. So I actually did make a few of my own monsters to, to use when playing D&D and everything. And I have one of the early editions of the Player's Guide. Um, I think I have a super old monster manual. Wow. I have some of the, uh, I forget the name, but the actual like, you know, the games that you play and stuff. So. Well, well, I will say this. You know I respect your opinion very highly, and it is a, uh, you know, I'm privileged to do a podcast with you. Furthermore, not only will I always associate with you in my memory, or in my mind, excuse me, with Shin Megami Tensei and Persona and having that influence on me, which I'm forever grateful for, of all of the things that you've been able to convince me of and get me involved in. I don't believe D&D is going to be one of them. <laughs> so that is for those listening that are wondering at what point do I throw in the towel. I am all in. A, you know, I will give that Fire Emblem, that Tokyo Mirage stories a shot. But D&D is... Well, but, okay, but D&D is a kind of thing where... And I'm not like knocking it saying like right. don't... I mean, look... I, I admitted on the show, and I wasn't lying. There were a few times, like, primarily because of the art where I looked at it, and I thought it looked cool. Um, I, you know, I, I love the, the Capcom fighter, but that's not... I mean, that's a beat-em-up. I mean, I, I love that game. But, yeah, I never... I just... I, I never got into it. Well, but, okay, the thing about, like, um, D&D is... You know, it, it takes a lot of work. It's like I'm trying to think of a good example. It it it's like if you have, um, what was it, uh, High Bomberman for Saturn? That was I, what like twelve players, oh, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you're like, okay, we're gonna get everybody in my house, and we need a proper setup, and we need the TV. We need Saturn, and we need to make sure we have two multi-taps, and we need to make sure we have controllers and everything. Like, there's a lot of factors that have to be in place in order to get a good D and D game going. Right, but right. it's kind of like, okay, you know what? We got a free Sunday. We're gonna all hang out together. We're gonna drink alcohol. We're gonna eat pizza. We're gonna play D and D. It's like just kind of like a fun thing to bonding experience with your friends that you right. can just spend the day doing. You know, right. but it so it takes commitment. It's not like I'm gonna sit down for half an hour and play, you know, Call of Duty with my friends. It's more like, all right, we're all going to get together in World of Warcraft and we're going to run this, this, you know, raid, which could take like four or five hours, you know. Um, mm. So it's kind of, it's a planned event that you're going to do together. 
but it's a lot of fun because you're just like hanging out together in the same place and and you know yeah. It is kind of interesting, um, while not D&D specific, it's interesting to see kind of the resurgence in the board game. I mean, do you feel that? I don't know how it is in your area. Oh, yeah. Or- no, like, I mean, like, back home, like, my friends we have tons of board games, and, like, every time I go home, we play stuff, and I'm a big fan of uh, Catan and Ticket to Ride. Wow. And a few others, and... Um, <sighs> played oh i played the one about the big monsters i was gonna say it's have like zombies and stuff in it yeah i've i haven't played zombies i actually oh. own zombies i haven't played it yet i need to play uh, have you point. seen the one and by the way i don't own any of these i only know this from frequenting certain stores in town have you seen that little the board game where the packaging has 8-bit pixel style art on the cover and it's done in the vein of like classic game boy boxes and Mm-mm, sprites sure but it's but it's not it's not video game uh oriented mm-hmm. but the style of way it's done the packaging and stuff it's you can tell it's classic game boy influenced well you know to keep this relative um that's currently on kickstarter there is a uh, dark souls board game oh that they're working on and, and it got like it got funded like in three hours that's I think, gonna sell like that. that's gonna sell yeah and it comes with like little the miniatures of some of the characters um popular characters from the different mm versions of dark souls let me ask you this i meant to ask you this actually i was going to text you speaking of kickstarter did you receive that micro handheld gaming device yet not yet i'm supposed to be getting it uh soon is it getting the mighty number nine treatment no no it's just like they had they're working with the chinese factory and stuff and and they had uh have a little delay but i think that they said like they're basically packaging them right now and shipping them so i should have it uh snk no, no, no. You said it was a Chinese. Uh, yes, not not that one. No. So I, I should have it next month. Um, so uh, by the way, the Dark Souls board game, uh, its goal was seventy thousand dollars, about or so. Right. And right now it's at two point five million. Wow. So, yes. Wow, that's incredible. With 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 sixteen days to go. So. Oh my god. Wow. Hey, speaking of all this stuff, another classic just popped into mind that we've been able to get our hands on within the last couple weeks. You ready for this? Hmm. Mega Man Legends 2. Oh, yes. That was exciting. Capcom pulling out all the stops, in my opinion, to stick it right up KG Inafune's (laughs) arse. Because capitalizing on the... Mega Man fan base being vocal years ago for the cancellation of Mega Man Legends 3, Capcom's name getting drugged through the mud, Inafune leaving, getting such support for Mighty Number no. 9, the numerous delays, and now Capcom. And I think specifically, uh, thanks has to go to the... Tr- the I want to use the word, the term translation team, but I think it's the Gaijin, the Americans primarily, that took the task upon themselves at Capcom to really pull the strings and do the right things to get everything from Mega Man Legends 1 to the misadventures of Tron Bon all out within the last year or so, the impossible. And I mean, I, I personally think Tron Bon was the bigger catch because that was crazy hard to find for almost its entire life. Mm-hmm. So like that, that to me was, because I actually, I own... Still, my my original Mega Man Two Legends Two disc. Wow. And game and everything. I mean, so I guess personally, obviously, I'm biased, but 
Um, I think Tron was the cool get, but I'm glad that we've now gotten all three. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, what if you believed all of this would get re-released to the impossible and Mighty Number no. 9 still not uh, quite happening yet? Well, somebody pointed out uh, that that Mega Man collection that came out recently. Yes. That was like probably conceived, announced, developed, and released between when Mighty Number no. yeah. 9 was announced and when Mighty Man Number no. 9 will be released. That's unbelievable. So, yeah. Don't know what uh, to say about that. Yep. But um I I, I last Boy. I checked Mighty Number no. 9 still had a spring release and what I do when I'm feeling down and I need to pick me up as I go to the Kickstarter page for Mighty Number no. 9 and I just start <laughs> reading the comments. So, then, but I I saw on NeoGaf and I don't I haven't read the entire thread, but somewhere um popped up and this is not the because it was another recent like rumor about a potential delay but i saw something popped up that was that now had the tag of december 2016 for what or for what or fall uh for my number nine no stop where did they see that i'm trying to think of like it was what was where was it tagged uh oh i'm sorry i'm sorry not that far, but it was it was summer. Wow, I, I will be checking. So, okay, there, the there's an EB there's an EB Games display, and <laughs> I guess it's like, it's like in like a, a tape of like coming games that are coming out, right? And they oh, okay, have a, like a they reel that tagged, they play in the store. Yeah, they have it tagged as summer 2016. Wow, that's unbelievable. I just like it's. <sighs> I don't know. I, I it's it's sad, but it's funny at this point. It's unbelievable. Um, this is a real random one. I saw this online maybe a couple months ago, and the only reason I bring this up that the name rings a bell is because of the untold history of Japanese game development book, uh, volume one, where they had a lengthy uh, discussion with the one of the guys behind this. Did you see? Uh, Pang P A N G is coming to PS4. I was what surprised. It's um and hopefully I'm not making a fool of myself mixing up the titles. Let me uh let me look this up here. It's like it the I wanted to it's the uh I want to get the American name. I want to say it off the top of my head, but I don't want to further embarrass myself after being uh exposed as a fraud for my lack of this looks D&D like uh, this is the game that it's was the, like the super clone of Buster Brothers. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's huh. But like I said, I bring that up because there was a lengthy piece on that in the the first volume of Untold History, so it was really odd to see that name come back after, you know what I mean? After having read that in so many years. Well, because now, okay, so so is is paying a clone or is it an official? version of that game um well buster brothers also called pang and pomping world so no that's oh, okay. that's official wow yeah i guess I, I just don't i don't recognize this developer yeah and i think the gentleman i'm thinking of was ozaki that that's the name coming to mind or i don't i don't want to say he was the developer per se but i know he was one of the guys interviewed in there and that was one of the big topics that came up I wonder if they like license the rights to it or I something. I think so. Yeah, I think it was Roy, it's coming to me now. I think it was Roy Ozaki and hmm. he was sitting down with the guy behind the original Strider. Yoichi, I'm going off memory. 
So anyway, yeah, I saw that pop up because there's been a lot of classics coming to PlayStation 4 as of late. Um, have you picked up any of those uh, in recent weeks? I haven't. Like, I there's a there's one or two that I kind of really want to go back and and get. Um, I'm stupidly probably gonna buy in the next like 24 hours or so the um, the Galaga re-release. Oh, on PS4, part of yeah. the new Bandai Namco yep. selection. But yeah, they just put out uh, Pac-Man, Ms. Pac-Man, Dig uh, Dug, Galaga, and Dig Dug. Yep. yep. Uh, I picked up uh, a couple more of the Arcade Archives. Uh, March 15th was Bubble Bobble. Mm. And um, I did... Uh, I'm waiting for it. It hit Japan, I think, last week, Gradius 2, but that hasn't gone up on the U.S. store yet. Yeah, I think... Yeah, I think that one's... Was that one announced or not for us yet? I don't know if it was officially announced yet, but... That is a just fantastic... Um line of games like there's there's so many good classic arcade games in there right that i think like you know for a lot of people um they like younger people they might not have as much connection to these games and not know what these things are but anybody like our kind of era you know who who grew up in arcades there's like tons of good stuff in here mm. What do you think? I'm going to jump around on you here. What do you think? A uh, little bit more information. You excited for Zero Time Dilemma? I am, but I haven't played 999 yet. So mm. I need to finally go and get that stupid thing played. Not dumb, obviously, but um, yeah, I, I, I played... <sighs> Jeez, what was the second Vir- one? Virtue's, Virtue's Last, Last Reward. Reward. Yes, I played that, but I didn't play 999 yet. Mm. I feel like I really should, really should go back and play 999. Yeah, one of the first times I had become or heard 999 was not only Warning a Huge Podcast, which you can catch classic episodes at radio.morningproject.com, but specifically Casey Lowe was real high on that game. Yeah. No, it's a fan fan has Yeah, ahead of yeah. his time. Good taste because that was probably a good half. De- you ready for this? That was about a half a decade ago. Yeah. When that was discussed. And now we're talking about Zero Time Dilemma. One of the things I do love being a graphics whore is I do love the visuals on Zero Time Dilemma, the new one. It has a really nice look, I think. I like the character design. Uh, you know, And, it, I, and it's, it's, it's just funny that, like, the... Um, the creator came out and is was on Twitter and was basically like, you know, you fans are the reason this game exists and like thank you so much. Like you do not understand like how much like your support meant because this game would not exist if it was not for you. Right. So So yeah. that was very nice. What do you think it's gonna sell more on? three uh, DS or Vita? <sighs> I feel like just mm, well, I mean, obviously, no, I guess not obviously. I don't know. Like, Japan's a good question, too. Um, I'm going to be an idiot, even though I've got both handhelds. Uh, I've got to confess, I'm probably going to pick it up on 3DS. Yeah, see, I can't, I I can't just, in my heart, I can't do that. And also because I, uh, I know, like, um, Virtue's Last Reward, like, the 3DS version had some issues the Vita version didn't have. And so I'm also just weirdly like scared because of that. But what do you mean? Explain that a little more if you don't. There mind was like me. some bugs the 3DS version had. 
Oh, okay. That the Vita version didn't suffer mm, from. Mm. Um, but no, to me, like this is 100% a Vita game. But uh, I guess it's a question because it's a very niche game, and I feel like the niche audience that this is going for, I feel like they're they're more the Vita type that will buy this kind yeah, of stuff. Uh, yeah, that's it's kind of like what... it's kind of like if you look um, at that company, uh, Limited Run, that's doing those like reprints of games. Or, or no, I'm, saying, I'm not doing reprints, like doing physical versions of games that never existed physically. Oh. Like, are you not familiar with that? No. Yeah. Uh, so what they're, what they're doing is they're taking games that have only been digital only, and um, they're making physical versions. For what platform? Well, so they started with the game called Breach and Clear, and that was for Vita. And then they did Saturday Morning RPG, which was... Oh, okay. I, I'm, that one I'm familiar with. Yeah, it was PS4 and Vita. And then the last one they just did was uh, Abe's Odyssey, Odyssey, something like that. One really? of those Abe games. And that's PS4 and Vita. And I was talking to one of the guys who started the company, and they're like, you know what? The we're not They're not making tons and tons of Vita games, but the Vita support has been there. And they're like, as long as Vita support's still there, we're going to make Vita games. Wow. So I feel like Vita fans tend to maybe support niche releases a little bit more. Well, but the, question, but, the, but the question, I'm sorry, before you go on, the question yeah. is, which is bigger, the the hardcore niche Vita fans that will instantly buy this or the complete array of 3DS players who would buy this game. Right. And 3DS might be way bigger. Now, how about this? You ready for this? This summer, officially announced, you know it's coming to 3DS? <sighs> While what? kids got school on their mind and summer's moving along and they're getting ready, getting new pencils and new <laughs> notebooks... It's time to go back to school, baby, with Corpse Party. Oh, yes. Super excited about this. It hit Steam uh, the other day, and then uh, 3DS gets Corpse Party Back to School Edition later this summer for $49.99. I will be picking that up uh, due to Molly's praise for the title several years ago on PlayStation Mm. Portable. Uh, You can actually read her... Classic review at egmnow.com, which I actually went back and did recently to refresh my memory. It was done, I believe, around holiday 2011, if you can believe it. Yeah, a long time ago. So uh, 3DS owners finally getting in on the action with a tweaked, revised version. And this is the first time the original... When I say original, I don't mean the original version of the first game, but the first game. So this is the first time the first Corpse Party will have come out in North America in retail. Wow. Because the first time it was PSP, but it was digital only. Wow. And then it was Steam. So this is the first physical release. I have to pose the question. You thinking about it? Oh, yeah. I have to get this one. <laughs> yeah, this is like not a not a question. This is a, yeah. I have to get this have one. You, okay, have you reserved it? Um, Not yet. It is up for reserve now. Yeah. If you go to the wonderful GameStop, uh, five bucks. Uh, they're taking reserves right now, hmm. so that is becoming a reality. And then uh, you know, I guess I'm I'm going to give this update to fans because we do do a video game podcast, and I should be playing games. 
you know, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this because there's really not a lot to say. I picked up Dead or Alive uh, Extreme 3. Oh, interesting. Got it from Play Asia. Got it at launch. It was about a month ago now. And my feelings are, uh, like I stated in the past, I, I played the first couple DOAXs on Xbox. I had my fun with them. Uh, no inappropriate pun intended. Uh, as I said before, they were great time killers. I'd used my customized soundtrack at the time, which sounds like such ancient history. And um, it was okay. You know, I put a chunk of time into DOAX2. Here's the problem I have with DOAX3. Beyond the roster, we've already covered in the past how there's only nine characters at the start. Everybody should be in this title. But I'm going to overlook that for now. Yes, my, they, my, they, yeah, they should my, uh, my real problem is that, okay, look, am I expecting, should this game be fantastic? Should this be the be-all, end-all you know, it's the butt of many jokes. Um, there's a whole debacle of the censorship and whatever. My issue is it's been about a decade, right, since DOAX2? Oh, yeah, probably. I mean, and you At expect, least. you know, you're going to have that foundation. You're going to get some repeat. I mean, we were just talking about Star Fox earlier. I mean, you were alluding to saying, well, it's essentially Star Fox 64, but, you know, remastered. But I will say this. Even if you look at it that way, you know what? It's not a bad game. Like, I could recommend, <clears throat> if you're a Nintendo fan or a Star Fox fan, could I convince you right now to go out and buy Star Fox? Sure, I could. Now, I feel good about it. I could sleep at night. <clears throat> could I convince you to go out and deal with it and get DOAX3 if you're a fan of 1 and 2 with the, the jump from two to three that's a tough one because even if the game was just for the eye candy and the you know the character models look good okay mm -hmm. uh, my my computer is trying to go to sleep here so i'm worrying i just want to make sure to hit the wrong button so character models look good but i mean it's for how long it's been, there should be a it should be a lot more. I, I mean, I, for the amount of time they had in between games, it should look better in some ways. There should be more. There shouldn't be certain restrictions. You should have more freedoms. I mean, look at it this way. Dead or Alive 4 to Dead or Alive 5 or Dead or Alive 5 last round. Sure, I mean, it's more Dead or Alive. But Dead or Alive 5 is a pretty damn good game. I mean, visually, it looks fantastic. Uh, you, know, you know, there's new animations. There's new maneuvers. There's a lot of content. Now, the whole DLC system for the outfits is an absolute disgrace. But you still get, you get a lot for even if you don't put any money into that. But it's just, it's not the leap from Dead or Alive 4 to 5. Let's put it that way. It's not the leap from... Uh, you know, maybe Ninja Gaiden 1 on Xbox to Ninja Gaiden 2 on Xbox 360. I mean, it's just total cash-in. And I feel Team Ninja does... Uh, I think they do more great work more often than not. But for something like this, even if you're catering to just the pervs, give them a little more. Like, And I don't, I'm not talking like nudity or disgustingness. Like, give them a title that, it, you know... 
it has some quality behind it, even if it's only visually. You know what I mean? It's just like you know the the hopping game. Like for example, like when when you do the scenes and you take the photos or whatever. I mean, you're still allotted to X amount of time before the scene ends, and then like you got to go to bed. I mean, come on. <laughs> Am I? You know what I'm talking about, right? No, no. This is. I mean, like what the. So I mean, I played I the original. Yeah, I I played the original DOAX. I played DOAX two. Um, I loved DOAX two on on some level, but the entire time I was playing, like I was making this like mental checklist of. They should have this. They should have this. They should have this. They should have this because it does. It feels so just like, um, like shallow in terms of the content that's there, and it really does feel like we are showing you buxom girls in bikinis, and so we don't have to give you any other content, and that is the problem because. I love the concept, but I think it could be have so much more in it and be so much more valuable as a, a game and experience. And here's the thing. T- to the shallow point, okay, if you want to just give me bucks and girls or whatever, okay, fine. I'll sign up for that. But can you at least – I shouldn't have to rush or worry about like – like figuring out the buttons or how get by the time I get my camera angled and doing what I want to do, it's I mean we're done. Yeah, it's um and you got my sixty you got the sixty dollars so that's the other gripe. It's like this isn't some free to play game or some tech quick tech demo. Look, you got my money. Can't you know? And I know people are joking at home. They're probably saying, "What do I need the extra time for to sit down and relax and <laughs> check out the scene for a longer period of time?" But it's true. It's like give. You know, but but no no let's be let's be fair here. I mean let's let's you know call a spade a spade. This is a game that was made for people who want to see female video game can characters. I, can I ask as, the most as scantily clad as they as you know they can be? I do my best on this show to watch my language, and I dare say I've rarely, if ever, cursed on this show. And I'm not going to do Mr. Potty Mouth right now. This is gonna maybe be a weird question or out of line, but I'm gonna I'm gonna pose it, you know, uh, as cleanly as possible. Do you think there are people buying DOAX3 at home and utilizing it as an experience to quote get their jollies or rocks off? The kids say fap these days, Andy. <laughs> you know, can you keep up with 2016, please? Um, I I absolutely think so. Wow. I, I don't. I mean, I think down the Japanese side. I mean, look, look at look at the fat material they have over there, and like what they what they can use. You know, I mean, when we were young, hey, remember when we were young? We, we had we had we had the Sears catalog and like the lingerie section in there. You know, like that was our our best option. Um, the way before internet. Uh, but well, when the, on those photo scenes, those those segments in between, they got about fifteen seconds to get the job done. <laughs> That's more than enough for some people, um, but no. Let's look. Here's here's my thing: is is know what this game is, and this to me, to use a term that I think is is fitting in some ways. But you know, this is a giant cock tease for people, right? Mm-hmm. This is this is like giving. It's it's kind of like I mean, isn't it kind of like going to like a strip club or something? You know, where strip clubs way better. 
Sure, yes. But I, I think that's something like you can do for sure. fun sometimes. But, but if if you're if you're going to that for certain experiences, you realize how shallow it is and how little you're getting for your money. Right. And I, I, I think I, I think the reality of the situation is we need to get to a point where we can say, you know what, some games can have sex in them. And that's fine. And it'll never happen on consoles. So I think, you know, for Dead or Alive Extreme to maybe be what it should be, it has to be like a PC game or something. But I have no problem saying, like, look, let's be honest here. Like, this is a this is a game that has little value outside of that sex thing. Because if it had value, it would be a different argument. Mm. Like, Dead or Alive, the fighting game, is that argument. Because Dead or Alive 5 has all of that super ridiculous sexiness to it. Right. But it also has a really good fighting game behind it. Well, you know what? Here, you, you just jogged my memory. Okay, I'm glad you brought it up again. Let me put it another way. This is going to sound extra pervy. So I just got done complaining about how like certain there's like the time restrictions and I don't have like and I mean this sincerely. I would like to look at the graphics engine and maybe not just the women like I should be able to look at the palm trees, the beach, the water effects. I should be able to do whatever I want within that environment because this is just a glorified tech demo. Now, maybe there's certain other attributes on these characters like tanning aspect and things like that that may be unique to this. But aside from that, here's another problem. You could arguably get more of your jollies off in Dead or Alive 5 because when the character loses the battle or before you continue, you have as much time as you want to move around the character model, zoom in and out. You Okay, this is a much better argument. You have the photo mode, like in the training mode, you can stop it at any time, zoom in and out, rotate. Why doesn't Dead or Alive Extreme 3 have all those options? Yeah. I don't know. I, and that's the thing. Like that, That's the complaint I have with Dead or Alive 2. Or extreme two, and that's why I like have hesitated on buying this one. Is just like it's kind of like the, the argument I have with Animal Crossing from Nintendo is is you've got a great base for a game there. Now give me the actual game, you know, build up like like Dead or Alive Extreme Two. I mean, obviously, I'm coming at it from a completely different, not completely different, but a somewhat different viewpoint. Because I'm coming at these games from, all right, I just want all these girls to make out with each other, and that's, like, all I want from this game, <laughs> you know? So, like, when I was playing Extreme 2, I'm like, you know what? I want to not be this this really weird, um, nameless person that is, like, collecting his, his harem or whatever is going on, you know? It's like, I want to have this girl have a relationship with this girl, and I want, like, that kind of relationship system and give them presents back and forth and have them be friends and stuff like that. You know, I, there has to be something, there's some sort of more actual game to this. And right. you're right, it is a tech demo, and <clears throat> there's only so far tech demos go. And it's not even a good tech demo. Yeah. You know what I mean? <clears throat> I mean, how badly do you want to play the game? I, seriously. I mean, I'm tempted. I should, even if it's the bar, I should just mail you my copy. If you really, <laughs> if you really think you'd put some time into it, I should oh, probably. Oh, no, like, I, I legitimately want to play it, but it would be like like just the and for me it's not in all the question of the supporting the game it's the question of you know what i'm not paying 60 70 i was just gonna say you know play asia whoever i mean i would think there's probably an abundance of that game out there i bet you if that thing drops i'd say to 20 bucks maybe pay a grand total of 30 with shipping something like that that's probably see if i could get it for 20 digitally like i would totally buy it yeah and just, and just to see but like, said i 
it's 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 funny because I know a lot of people in my position are being like, oh my god, this game is so gross and right. sexist and stuff. And I'm like, oh my god, this game's not going far enough and not having enough content yeah, in it. And, like, that's my complaint. And I'll say it again. I'm not even talking about the gross factor. It should be more risque or whatever. I'm just talking about with what's there. If it's if it's all visual-based, and like I said, not just for the girls, I should be able to take a look at the engine, do whatever I want, like Dead or Alive 5 offers. And that's a damn fighting game. Yeah. So I wanted to get that out there. I had some notes on that. I did play DOA 5 a little bit. Um, you know, it's, it is what it is, uh, you know, and if you don't get to play it, don't lose any sleep over it. You know what it's like? It's, you know what? It's kind of like, this is a really, really, really weird analogy, but, um, let's say you have like one of the Decepticons that, that becomes Devastator, you know, one of the Mm -hmm. Constructicons and that's all you have is that one Constructicon and you can still have fun with that one robot. But what you really want is all six of them so that they can merge to form this gigantic robot. You know, it's like, it's missing those other pieces that, you know, if they were there, this would be way more fun experience. Yeah. It's, it's certainly lacking and way too much of a tease with no payoff. Yeah. Speaking of, classics and toys did you happen to see that voltron toy that went up it's I, i'm assuming it's import is like 400 bucks i didn't it looked amazing it looked amazing i know there's some like really crazy like transformers wise there's there's some insane like um unofficial versions of characters and stuff out really? there like yeah there is some really really crazy like toy stuff Hmm. Um, oh, by the way, I wanted to correct something earlier. I had said that the Dark Souls board game sold out in like three hours or made its made its funding in three hours. It was actually three minutes. So wow, it took all of three minutes for it to get the funding that it needed. Wow. On that topic, uh, I haven't played it, but actually, you did the review recently on egmnow.com. Once again, there's a, another little plug. Uh, maybe about a week ago, the Dark Souls 3 review is out. Uh, mm-hmm. You were behind it. Uh, asking you on the show while it can be read on the website. What do you, what do you uh, for those who haven't seen it, what do you think uh, in a nutshell? You pleased with it? I really, really like it. Um, the thing is, though, it's it reminds me in a way of The Force Awakens. Um, in that it kind of feels like it's a project for the fans. And it also feels like it borrows a lot of ideas from previous Dark Souls games. Mm. And as a fan, I kind of love that because it's 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 feeling like I mean because the rumor right now, not necessarily rumor, but the talk is that this is going to be the last Dark Souls game, and it feels like a coming together of your memories and experiences and stuff in the previous Dark Souls games into one final experience, and that's awesome. But on some level, it is kind of like a, mm, you know, I feel like I have seen and done some of this before. Mm. Um, and at the end of the day, I still, I adore the original Dark Souls so much that I, I, I can't say this one's better, but this one's really, really, really good. And um, my heart might say that, but my mind might say, yeah, this is probably the best one. Oh, really? Just overall. I mean, over, as an overall experience. <clears throat> How were the visuals? Uh, the visuals, like, I mean, the thing about From <clears throat> Software is they've always been more about the 
the artistry of their visuals, right. not necessarily like how technically detailed and impressive they are. Right. So it's it's a beautiful game in terms of design and style. Um, on a tech level, it's still a from software game, so you do have some frame rate things here and there. Not as bad as the older games per se, but um, it's not a. It's like nowhere near like a Naughty Dog game, for example. Mm. In terms of how it how it looks quality wise. Speaking of uh, Naughty Dog, do you think you'll be doing a review for Uncharted Four, which is a mere about ten days away? I will not be doing the un- review for Uncharted Four. Because mm. uh, no, we, the thing is, like, we now have enough people in our our staff that we can better focus on who really, really wants to review this and right. who is the best suited for doing it. So, um, somebody else on our team will be doing that. Who's get Who's getting Doom? Not you? That's, that's a good question. Definitely not me. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure who would be getting that. If I worked there, that would probably be the one I throw my name in the hat for. Just not so much because I, you know, like I feel it's going to be better than Uncharted or whatever. It's kind of apples and oranges. But <clears throat> Doom is one of those games that I have to go through because of certain memories I have from my younger years in gaming and old friends I used to have that I'm no longer in contact with. So it's really this may sound odd but when doom comes out i have to i have to go through it you know as you know i'm notorious for not finishing a lot of games these days due to work and any other excuse i can think of but let me put this into perspective i did go through doom 3 because mm, i know there's a, yeah and, uh, and you know what i didn't think it was uh, i didn't think it was bad but i did go through doom 3 as an example so when this new one comes out I have to go through the single player campaign. Now now you saying that, uh have you seen Strafe? Give me a moment to think because I just watched a video on this and and I feel bad because I know the name and I saw something. I see so much stuff that it just it goes right through me. Oh, it's gonna bother me because I think you're gonna tell me who's involved and I know it and I, I don't know it at the moment. Well it's not not a big team or anything. Um but it's it's a new first person shooter that's been designed to look like it was made in 1996. Hmm. Hmm. What uh, platform is it? PC only? No, I think is it, is it? Let's see. Is it plat? The consoles too? Like I want to. I want to say it's not just PC, but maybe, maybe it is. Good question, and I'm looking. I'm and taking a look too, and I'm not seeing much. No answer. But it must have been an IGN snippet or something on YouTube that I saw something on this title because I am familiar with the name, but I don't think I had known what you just told me that it was had a 1996 look. Yeah, but so it's 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 a it's a brand new shooter designed oh, Pixel Titans. Yeah, it looked like it was from 1996. It's PC and Mac. Um, it's a procedurally generated kind of world. Uh, it's awesome. Because, I mean, like, I played the original Doom. I played the original Quake. I was into, like, those kind of first-person shooters right. back in the day. Right. And this feels like those, but it it's, it's modern enough that it's, like, super fun. Hmm. Because there's, like, something great about, like, those old... Like, I feel like first-person shooters are a genre that, um, like, lasts way longer than some other genres. Because at the end of the day, you're kind of like, you know what, like, especially on the computer, you know, you've got, 
uh, WASD, or if you're how I learned it, QWES, um, <laughs> and, and, and then you have your mouse, you know, like right. that hasn't changed a lot over time. Like other control schemes have gotten better in advanced and stuff, but like that right. basics, like there's not a lot that needed fixing in that. So I think you can go back to these older games and they, a lot of them can still play and still be fun. Right. Do you think you'll give uh, the new Doom a crack? I don't, I don't, I don't think I care. Mm. I just don't think I care. Yeah, there's just something about that game with me. I don't know, maybe it's just nostalgia, memory, but. Yeah, see, I guess for me, my big, big one was Unreal Tournament. I, obviously I'm familiar with what you're talking about. When it comes to Unreal, the one that always sticks out in my mind just due to the wow factor at the time was the very original Unreal on PC. Like the the one that was on the cover of Next Gen, and they're like, and they're like, yes, this is a real screenshot. And you look at it now, and it's like the worst looking thing in the entire world. Yeah, I mean, it's so crazy now, but things like the water effects, and wasn't it one of like the first games that really required like a three D card? Yeah, ushering that ushering in that whole era of three D card and. This is crazy. Like, you know, you could see the birds out in the distance flying, and I think you could shoot them down. It was like, oh, my God. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> but, it's you know, it's, it's so funny that I did that. Because I remember, I, remember uh, I was in the KB Toys, uh-huh. and they had um, NFL 2K on Dreamcast running on the TV. And I was like, you know what? If you stand back a little ways and just kind of look at it, you could actually think you're watching like a real NFL game. Totally. I, back I, in the day. But, yes. but, then, but you go back and look at it now and you're like, how did I ever think that, you know, seeing <laughs> it? So it's just, it's funny that at certain levels of technology that we see things and they look seem like the most impressive thing in the world to us. And then once like the next stage has come along, we realize the faults in that previous or how about this uh and and i will admit next speaking of next gen their quote on this was probably still fairly accurate where they compared it to grainy footage but i you remember seeing the first gran turismo on playstation one yes and it was like oh my god this is like watching it's almost you know like watching film or it looks real yeah you know i'm Then it's funny because I mean, like back then our brains totally thought that, like legitimately. It wasn't like fandom or anything. And then you go back now and you're like, that is not at all what I think when I see this. But Well, you know what game? I, okay, for more of not really the modern era, but you know what game I thought? I was like, oh my God, like this could all, <laughs> like they could only do this on PlayStation 3. <laughs> was the home... Uh, conversion of virtual fighter 5 ah yeah <laughs> but i mean it's like you say you look back and god that's almost a decade ago now yeah but i mean you look back at it now and you're like man like i mean it's it's a game plays still plays awesome but you just look at the you know the textures and stuff it's they're not as you know it's it's just you know you look at some like some of the AAA extravaganzas, or you look at like a Grand Theft Auto, everything they can pack in there in a game, and then you look at like you know just the, the playing field of Virtua Fighter Five, and you're like, God, you know, this could be done, it could be do it on your damn phone. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, it's it's unbelievable how the mind, the tricks, you know, or you know whatever you see at that time is the greatest thing, you know. Yeah, it's it's kind of amazing. 
But, uh, well, how was, you know, of all these shows, and there's so many shows, there was another one, I think, going on today in Toronto, if I'm not mistaken. I just got, but don't ask me how I know that. But you, the most recent endeavor for you is PAX East. Yes. And I always do my best to read some articles, keep up on these shows, watch some videos. I got to tell you, PAX East came, went, and the the only thing I saw from PAX East, and it was today, was the footage of Shadow Warrior 2, which shockingly was was good, but uh, not Yeah, to... I mean, because my, my coworker played that, and he said he really, really liked it. Yeah, it was like they got serious. It uses its own unique proprietary engine. The melee combat's improved, et cetera, et cetera. But what was your take on PAX East? There had to be more than Shadow Warrior 2. We actually um, we came away with a lot of like indie stuff because we what we usually do from for the packs events we do this thing called like the hidden gems of packs mm-hmm. um and we usually do a list of about 10 games you know five five games for each of the two people that went and this year we actually did two lists so we had like 20 games uh because there's there was quite a few games i played there that i thought were really really good and that i'm excited for uh, I mean, PAX is like crazy just because there's so many people on the show floor that it's nearly impossible to get around and do things. And I guess like I I had heard, I don't know if this is true, but I heard like the PlayStation VR lines like 10 minutes after the show were already full and, you know, for the entire day and stuff like that. Um, but there's like tons and tons of indie games and it can be really hard to like wade through them. But we found some really, really good stuff this year. Hmm. I'm, I'm gathering my thoughts here. I was going to say something, but um, before I say it, so well, still a hell of a turnout for these shows. Do you feel that these shows still have a lot of momentum in terms of? Uh, we actually did an episode on this where we're talking about oversaturation of these gaming shows and expos and comic cons and this and that. Well, I, I I think the problem with PAX is that it's noticeable that less big companies are going to it. Because they because you had E three and then PAX was special because E three became less special because of becoming so mainstream and then PAX filled that void. And now PAX is E three again. Yeah. And there's 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 three PAXs in America I mean, per Jesus. year at this point. You got what, Prime, East, and South. And, and South, yeah. And then there's PAX Australia. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just had this conversation with Neil the other day. That's how I found out about the Toronto show because he had to cut a video. Here's a quick plug for him for Onion Force. And uh, he had to get a video ready, uh, boom, bang, within the last 24 hours to submit over to that show. And I said, my text to him literally was, there's too many goddamn shows. Yep. I mean, because you were just talking to me about PAX, and then he's telling me about the Toronto game show. And, you know, coming up, you got E3, then you got Gamescom, and then you're right back into TGS. And then and don't like, forget, don't forget, you have San Diego Comic-Con. <laughs> well, your favorite. You now have uh, uh, PSX. Yeah. going to happen every year. Is that the Destination PlayStation in December? Yeah. Yeah. PlayStation Experience. Right, yeah. Um, you have your, your three PAXs. You have... Uh, the dice event you have gdc jesus uh oh, vgas vgas you have um more and more like 
specific stuff like you have QuakeCon, you have minecraft con or whatever it's called blizzcon the only reason i'll give a little pass to QuakeCon is because they've been around a really long time but yeah but i mean now they're getting intermixed with the 20 other shows yeah so i mean i guess that the point the point of the thing is like i feel like it used to be okay if a big announcement is going to come it's going to come at e3 right and you you knew when it was coming but right now there's so much going on that these companies have to like spread like what news they have like out through all these different shows hmm well i tell and you you have well, a lot of different shows you have to go to yeah i mean that's got to be uh tiring on you that's why i live vicariously through you i think pax pax is really tiring just because there's so many people there right that's why in, in a weird way it's like when i had like downtime um, that's why I always just went and played Street Fighter because I could just sit there, hang out, <laughs> do something, and not have to brave those crowds and those oh. lines. Let me ask you this: You started off your uh, feelings on PAX East with Indies. Where would this generation be without the Indies? Yeah, like they're, I mean, they're, for it's it's like the Indies have saved this generation in terms of filler, and it's not disrespecting the indie titles, but it has served as filler while the AAA games get going. Because if there were no indies, each platform would almost feel like, uh, you know, N64 days in some ways. Yeah, I mean, like, like let's be fair. The PS4 has not had a great run of... Uncharted uh, 4 is like their first games. potential masterpiece. And we're in 2016. It's been well. I mean, let's 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 be fair. They had like uh, Bloodborne and, and they had a couple. Other okay, games. yeah. Oh, my but apologies. Not, not like okay, nowhere near what they should have had by this point. The first thank you. You okay? The first thank you should go to Bloodborne. No matter what my feelings on that game is, because I I suck so bad at it. Oh, but I <laughs> but I think it's a cool game. Bloodborne gets the first thank you because Bloodborne I felt was one of the first exclusives and first big games that had people talking and wanting a PS4. But you're right. You take Bloodborne out. What do you got? I think, I mean, I, I know this is kind of controversial. I, I think at this point, I think Drive Club has become a really good game. That, that's, not, that's, not, that's not a system seller. You know, that's not a people are going to buy the system for this game kind of game. And, and beyond that, like, yeah, what, what are the games that people buy PS4s for at this point? But they're selling. They sold 18 million last year. Yeah. What uh, what year do you think it's going to be before we're playing a new Gran Turismo on PS4? <laughs> That's a, such a tough one. I know, I know they've got the beta coming for GT Sport. Yeah, I see that. And then speaking of this, uh, you know who's okay? Wait, wait, wait. Here, here's but here's a question: Like, did they purposely hold that back to be like boosted by the PS4.5? Oh, I my god! Hey. Rumor has it that all PS4.5 titles uh, or PS4 titles and vice versa would run on each respective platform, although there would be frame rate and issues. There's supposedly not supposed to be any difference in content or exclusivities amongst each variation. It's almost like hitting a switch. Now, this is all rumor. This could be completely right. yes. But I mean, that would be, you know what? That would be a heck of a title to have where you can say, hey, 
you place on your PS4.5 and it's going to be like totally in your eyes. I, I totally subscribe to that theory of yours too because Gran, Tur- Gran Turismo is always known for doing the latest of what's ever offered. Like they've already discussed that they're tr- you know implementing VR and that what you just said totally sounds like something they'd go for. Yep. Hmm. So I wouldn't be surprised. You know what game is quietly trying to hide right now and quietly sneak away without anyone else noting with all with all of the other games coming out and getting announced hmm. uh less guardian you mean like what do you mean like yeah like away? they've been quiet on that thing again you think you think that's still gonna hit you think that oh yeah this? yeah you, I, think, I think, you think it's gonna hit this year yeah yeah you seem pretty I, confident I, I think at this point they 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 cannot delay that game again <laughs> because you can't come out and and say it's coming at that point and then and then delay it again maybe it's gonna debut on uh nx on NX? <laughs> are you what? You are insane. No, it's not gonna be on NX. Well, that'll be uh interesting. They'll, they'll get crucified if they delay that. I feel like. <laughs> um Well. Hey, does anyone in your office uh, this is really old school, but a new rendition coming in a couple weeks. I don't know if I'm gonna do it right away. You have any interest in the Shadow of the Beast? Um, I'm curious to see like how it turned out. Like, yeah, I, I I was not an Amiga person, so mm. I never really cared about that. But mm. I am curious to see like what they've done with it. Because mm. that was a big big title back yeah. in the day. So. Yeah, I think it's up on the PS4 store for pre order. I think it's twenty bucks. Hmm. But um, but that, that that feels like to me like one of those games that like it got announced and then it was just really quiet the rest of the time. It was. Yeah, it was up until the last couple months or so. But yeah. They, they put a trailer together and, you know. But what do you got? What's on your agenda here coming up here as we, uh, we're we now uh, certainly our way into spring. We're about a, what, about a month away from E3? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that's, that's my, my thing is like, I mean, I finally get a chance to have weekends at home again, which is nice. And now it's just kind of mentally preparing for, because I, I do not know what E3 is going to be this year. With all the changes that are being made to it, you know. Do um, you think they have the cojones during E3 time frame we're going to see Xbox One Generation 2, PS4 and a half, and then Nintendo has stated they're only going to have Zelda at the show showcased. I would assume there would be a Nintendo Direct as well. But, but are Sony and Microsoft that crazy enough to introduce a pseudo step up in hardware this generation when sales are good and to confuse the market? I think there's too much, uh, like they say, where there's smoke, there's fire. I think there's too much smoke for the PS4.5 at this point. I think it absolutely exists. I'm I'm certain uh, Microsoft has been working on their own solution, but I don't know that they're at the point where they're committed to actually bringing it out or not. That's, that's my question. Do you think, we'll start with Xbox, do you think old school method, do you think for suckers like you and I with Xbox Ones, do you think there's a hope for like a, an update or a tack-on piece or something? Or do you think we have to take our current Xboxes and throw them out the window and do a full upgrade if you want the newer experience? No, I think I think they'll both have to be brand new consoles. Like I don't – because, I mean, come on. Let's let's be fair. Let's I'm be just fair asking. Here. I'm just throwing but it out there. No, yeah, but let's, I mean, let's think. I mean, because if you think about like Sega CD or 32X mm-hmm. or TurboGrafx or Turbo CD or whatever mm-hmm. – 
Are you really wanting to put more hardware onto that Xbox One? No, absolutely not. That's but like I mean, I'm be... just being devil's advocate here. I mean, right. I know. think though, what here's the question is like, could if the Xbox is going to do that, could they do it along with an Xbox Slim? Where they're like, here's your Xbox Slim, and now it also has like additional power. Like, would that be the kind of one-two punch that people would need to get a new one? I don't know. Like, the problem with the Xbox One is, let's mean not trying to be mean to the system, right. but they're not selling. Great. Yeah, why you're gonna? Yeah, I mean so, that's a good point. Like, trying to get people convinced to buy another new one seems like a bad proposition. Since you and I are multi-console owners. I think you and I, I don't want to speak for you, but I think you and I would be dumb enough to, to maybe go up on the PS4. Would you? That's, yeah. Well, I'll say maybe. Right. But Xbox One out of the question for you? Yeah, I, I don't I don't know how I would justify that Like at this point because I, I just don't play my Xbox One very much. So I don't know what the benefit to me would be. You know? Hmm. It's getting out of hand, though. You know, I made this joke in private. I should say it out loud on the show, you know. My little inside joke to you is, you know, the economy must be doing really good because, I mean. It, but uh, it's, it's, it's so. Or do you think these companies are still looking at Apple? Which, well, here's the thing. When Apple is down. Which I think they're a little bit down right now, numbers oh, wise. Oh yeah, they're trust but, me. But but no no hold no hold down. on no hold on. <laughs> no, I know because I know how much money I've lost in the last oh, few days. Well, you remember I get half that. Uh, sure. The, so half how wait half the money you lost I've <laughs> lost that means like you owe me money. How, how much Apple stock do you have? Uh, I have a few. Oh, a <laughs> few. Really? For real? Yeah. Like we're talking some some dinero. Yeah, a little, a little, not not a lot, but I, wow. I have a, I have a little so, savings. Uh, well, at the, you know, depending on how the market goes, right. I have. But but here's the thing with Apple, and I don't have the numbers in front of me. So let's say they're down right now. When Apple's down, it's different than when Microsoft and Nintendo or whatever are down because, like, you see the Nintendo Wii U thing, like they're down and they're projecting selling eight hundred thousand units. When Apple is down, we're talking going from seventy million to sixty-five million. You know what I mean? And I'm not trying to say it's, you know, all roses and sunshine over there and that those numbers are going to stay like that forever. But there is a drastic difference between Apple and those other companies when someone's down. Now, the reason I make that comparison is are Microsoft and Sony still looking at the trends of Apple and how they do their hardware, per se, or even Droid or even the Surface? Uh, which has has had at least a few different iterations over the last couple of years. I mean, I, are they confident they think they can pull that off with the gaming console? I mean, the numbers just aren't the same to me. But let's... So I had this discussion recently with a friend on a different podcast, and the it's... Okay, so if I'm coming as a traditional console gamer, this idea completely frightens me. Mm-hmm. You know, because it just... It's just like, oh my, oh my God, it's going to cause chaos and like all the problems could, it could, you know, result in and everything. But I, I think there's two questions on the other side that make me not hate the idea. So I guess the problem is, are we looking at this being a PS4.5 and that's it? You know, does, does this give, does this buy Sony another five years and then we get a PS5 properly? Or is this the start of a new trend where instead of starting from scratch, they're iterating their console? And if that would be the case, 
there'd be two pluses. The plus one would be the games you're buying right now, you're going to still have those 10 years later, hopefully. Mm. You know, you're going to still have those 15 years later, hopefully, that those games can still live on on that system and continue on and not have to be replaced. And that's a big, big plus in my book. You know, if, if I can buy a new, more powerful console and everything I had for the previous one moves over, everything, that's a big deal. The other thing is, you know, one of the concerns is what does this mean for developers? And is this going to make developers' lives a lot harder? Well, initially, possibly yes. But the thing is, with traditional console generations, you know, every like five or six years, even four years sometimes before, developers had to learn an entirely new platform. And if this is the new trend, then instead of having to learn the... Because, like, I mean, you know this, Anthony. You look back at the NES, 16-bit consoles, 32-bit consoles. What were the best games technically? They were always the games in the last few years. Sure, yeah, yeah. Because that was a point where developers had finally really figured out the hardware and figured out what to do with it. Right. And that's even true of like the PS3. I mean, like you look at you look at the difference between Uncharted One and you look at The Last of Us and the difference there. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Um, if you move to this kind of iterative system, then instead of spending time learning how to start from scratch, developers can just keep making good games, and that's a really hard idea to argue against. You know, so I think it's very, very scary, this idea of, of going to iterate, iterative systems. But on some level, like, I kind of would like to know that in 10 years, I'm buying a platform that is still playing the same stuff I had 10, you know, from the from two two generations ago. Hmm. So it's it's tough. Like, I kind of don't hate this idea, but I don't know how the public's going to react. I think that the the attitude has been it's going to be a horrible thing and kind of break gaming. But it hasn't... Let me ask you this. If you were in Sony... Well, maybe mm. it's because Microsoft... You know, it could be behind-the-scenes stuff. But let's say you're Sony right now. And you're kind of riding that high. And you, you came back strong since that E3. That was the gift from God for you. If you were running the show right now... Would you take? The, would you make the decision to introduce a new PlayStation Four platform and potentially break up your momentum right now? I mean, that's 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 the problem. Is is um, is this going to hurt more than help? And I don't know. Like, I don't know the answer. To I that. can tell you, I talked to some people at GameStop already about it. And while while I will admit, I put this crew over the crew that I. Work down the road for me. They're good. I know GameStop gets a bad rap, but the people at the store right now, I would tell you, know what they're talking about. And one of their biggest worries right now is like for themselves, like they're personally interested in it, but their big fear right now is discussing the questions with customers. And they gave me a small example on a smaller scale. It's it's going <laughs> to, the girl I was talking to is like, yeah. She's like, well, we already have to, d- to discuss the differences between 3DS, new 3DS, 3DS XL, or do you want to use new 3DS? Right. Uh, you know, and so she's like, well, now it's going to be like we have to, you know, get into, you know, the PS4, four and a half. To, you know, it's so for them in that level, that's going to be a little bit of a nightmare, I think. But let's be fair. On the other side of that, we have people who are totally fine with the idea of 
you go to the store and whatever the newest iPad is, that's what you buy. Can I be a, can I be a real snob a-hole? Okay. That's Apple. So you, People, you, don't, you, that, you don't think other companies can get away with that, though? Uh, I think Apple is so specific and they're – yeah, it's Apple. That right now it's mm. it's Apple. And just I so people aren't throwing stuff at the 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 uh, computer right now listening to me, I will give I will say something nice here about Microsoft. I took a look at their new – they have this Surface which has the add-on keyboard, which I always – I feel add-on keyboards for just about anything, including the iPads are always flimsy. But they have this new laptop uh, – pad combo but the keyboard is a real deal laptop sturdy keyboard right. i will tell you i was kind of impressed with that and i wouldn't be surprised if the next iteration of mac air follows suit from that but anyway that's you know that's the computer field kind of you know and apple is you know the the apple products you know they sell computers you know even though the iphone and the ipod are their most popular items you know that that's the computer world. You know the computer world has always gotten away with, uh, you know, 3D card upgrades, RAM upgrades, different disk drives, CD add-on attachments, new rigs, turnover rate every six to twelve months. And I'm not saying I like that. I don't. I hate it. But I just don't know. Is is the customer that educated in a sense of where the smartphones and that aspect of turnover rate has taken over enough, where they have that mindset to carry over into the gaming realm? I don't know. Yeah, no, it's it, it's a great question. Like, it can can it transfer over or not? But I, there's something weirdly comforting in the idea that I just go to a store and like, all right, just give me whatever the newest PlayStation Four is. But obviously, the problem at that point is like that name becomes a problem. And what do you yeah. do? Well, <laughs> do you just but but okay? Then then do you just make it become like kind of pull a little bit of a Microsoft, and then do you just make it become just PlayStation? The brand. Yeah. Hmm. What if, I mean, this isn't the catchiest, best marketing piece, but, you know, what if you started doing, like, PlayStation 2013 model, 2016 model, something yeah, like, you I, know, I, maybe, I don't, yeah, I, I don't know, like, how you handle it. Maybe but date it. I just, I don't, I don't think it's the worst idea in the world because a lot of me says... I want my games to stick around instead of like having to do a refresh because the the, the at that point though, let's be fair. If you're if all of your games transfer over, then taking your current model and trading it in for a new one becomes way easier for you to justify, right? Oh, and can, yeah, and yes, and can I say this? If we get another PlayStation Four, may I make a suggestion? Can you please give us? A hard drive that's larger than 500 gigs out the gate. I, I would assume it would become one Please, God. Because, I mean, my, my thought at this point is... So the PS4 now is, what, 350? Yeah, I can't even keep track because Microsoft I keeps think it's, dropping their price. Yeah, because I think Microsoft just dropped to 299 recently. I think if this happens, PS4 current one drops to 299, and then the new PS4K, or whatever it's called, comes in at 399. Do you think they're only? Do you think they're going to do it only four hundred? Um. I hope you're right. That was my I, next question to you. What do yeah. you think the price is? Do you think they would have? They would be nuts enough to do four ninety nine? I don't. I don't. 
So what it launched at what? 400? Is that what it launched at? Yeah. Right, because Yeah, that's right. Xbox was 499. Yeah, cuz no, well, PS3 was 5 and 6, right? Yes. Yes. Can you believe that? <laughs> 599 US dollars. Um I think they would love to keep their high model at 399. Because the thing is is and obviously it's, it's depends on like what is you know what is making them profit off the system but if you've got the lower one at 299 and the higher at 399 that becomes very easy for people to justify that extra $100 and the thing is, is like if they keep the regular PS4 out there they can't keep it at that price forever they have to drop it and if they drop it then that gives people a lower barrier of entry for getting onto the PS4 platform but then they once again have a an option for getting people to pay four hundred bucks. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I, I, it's it's just I don't know. It's it's amazing. It's it always. I mean, comes- I, I mean, I think part of the part of the thing that's coming from this whole conversation and the whole conversation that's happened is we do not know what's going to happen, right? Because we have not been through this in the console space and. The, the part of the fear is because, you know, the reason we will have consoles is we go to a store, we buy a console, and that console, theoretically, is good. That's it for, like, five or six My, years. Uh, the thing I'm worried about right now, and it's such a stupid thing, is, like, I'm already worried about, like, moving my stuff around again, where I'm going to put crap, what I'm going to box up. I mean, I can't be the only person out there that's a gamer that doesn't think of this stuff. Like, how much crap I have hooked up to, you know... Right, but I mean, if if this comes along, though, I mean, like, you can take your current PS4, you take it down to GameStop, you trade it in, get credit towards the new one, you bring the new one home, and that's, that's, you're done. That's the switch. Hmm. Because you're not having to have multiple consoles at this point. That's, that's the kind of nice thing about it. Hmm. Is there's no reason to keep your old PS4. I mean, other than, like, you know, if you like the design and prefer it or yeah you know. i was being greedy i wanted to do a color wear one but now with this new introduction of of this now i'm gonna have to throw all those plans in the <laughs> trash you know what i mean yep but yeah i don't know but trying to think if there's anything else big we've left off here before we start to wrap up episode 15 of the generic video game podcast where i will be now going off memory for my plugs because i forgot my cheat sheet in the other room Uh oh. so once again fans don't forget to check us out you can check out generic video game podcast classic episodes free dlc packs classic episodes of warning a huge podcast the nichiest podcast ever Five minutes with Molly, which hasn't been updated in some time. Ten, ten minutes. Ten minutes. Oh, is it ten? Yes. Okay. Yeah, no, I, I need to get back to that, and I need to back to mm-hmm. Miranda's Sweet Shop at some point. So. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. So uh, all of that and much, much more can be found at radio.morningproject.com. You can find myself on Twitter, as always, at 24BitAJE. You can flood your feed with all my garbage. Uh, you can find my co-host Molly at Molly Penn on Twitter. That's M-O-L-L-I-P-E-N. And you can also find your workplace at egmnow.com. And on Twitter, is it egmnow as well? It is. E-G-M-N-O-W. And because I don't have my notes in front of me, um, 
what is the other feed for you that I'm forgetting? Uh, there is morning radio feed that you ah. can check out, and it's Morn Radio, <laughs> M-O-R-N Radio, because some stupid person has morning radio, and she hasn't used it in God knows how many years. Let's see how many years. Let's, let's check again. Let's see. Morning radio. Um, yeah, Kim Hughes. I hate you, Kim Hughes. Last time she used it was February 24th, 2009. Wow. And she still has the rights to it for some reason. Seven years. She she uh, she tweeted. How many tweets is this? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven times. Wow. Because of her and her whole 11 tweets, seven years ago, I can't have morning radio. Wow. Are you still doing – I haven't checked it in a while. I'm very guilty. you still doing smart video game fan? Uh, we just did one uh, two days ago. That is amazing. Yeah. That is amazing. So smart video game fan still going. And uh, you, you don't do a blog, do you? I, I – have one that i have not updated in a long mm. long time mm. because i'm actually i'm working on a secret project right now so my kind can, of free can you time, tell me i won't tell anyone i think i i don't know if i told you before or not no if well if you say it now it's going to be on air yeah that's the problem <laughs> but i i'm hoping that i have uh i would what i would like to do is if this works out um i want to do a beta test of it and hopefully that beta test will come in the Next six months or so. I have a dumb question for you. Okay. Do you ever think in your life you'd ever do a zine again, a physical zine? I have been wanting to, yes. I, I have been thinking about it. I would like to do not like a regular thing, but like a like a one shot. Um, I've been kind of thinking like what I wanted to do. Part of me would like to do either a, a DS one or like a Vita one. How many pages would you be looking to make this? I don't know because I guess the I, question... I want to throw my name in the hat and ride the coattails of you and get. Well, my... so that, that's that's part of my question is: Do I want to do like a um, all myself zine, or do I want to see if I can get some guest writers? Because I'm a very lazy person, but I like taking the credit. <laughs> yes, because <laughs> the thing is, like, if I if I do DS, like, I know a few people that I could probably get something from that would be fun to do. So. Yeah, hmm. so I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, that would hmm. be uh, that would be fun. Yeah. Yeah, I always think of it when I sometimes I go to the comic shop and there's like a weird. I don't know if it would be a zine, but there's like a weird Godzilla magazine, and I think it comes from Canada. And I look at that kind of stuff and I'm like, wow, you know, this is the type of stuff. It'd be kind of cool to see a little zine in the shop. Yeah. Yeah. But, no, that's that's. Uh, I remember selling my my previous zine at a comic shop. Wow. Hmm. Well, we want to thank listeners for hanging in there, uh, getting through another 180 minutes plus of generic video game podcast. We have outdone the t time on Batman versus Superman, not the extended edition, but the standard edition. And uh, we hope you've enjoyed listening to us. We want to thank fans as we close out episode 15, our two-year anniversary. So on behalf of Molly and myself, Anthony, signing out, thank you again, and we'll catch you next time.